Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and we got the fantasy football playoffs on tap. They're here. Let's go. Let's go win that championship, win some money, and most importantly, win week 15, because we can't do those things if we don't focus on the goal at hand. So as always, I'm joined by none other than PFF's own Dwayne, the Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, happy fantasy playoffs, man. Hey, man. Uh, Happy fantasy playoffs. I'm just smiling because... I have a son that's old enough to mulch leaves. <laughs> I was trying to show him how before the show. So he's, he's out there giving it a shot right now. So anyway, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> you may just see me disappear for a second. Sounds good. Well, best of luck to your son mulching. <laughs> Not, you know, I thought we had some good fantasy playoff hype going on to start this. We did. But, uh, we did. Yeah. My bad. I just stole it all. I stole it all away. I apologize to the audience. I should never be allowed to speak again. And as always, we will continue to do this podcast on one cut and not even worry about it. Let's get into these games. I will say that Dwayne and I have looked long and hard at this podcast and realized that, hey, maybe we could condense it to not be, you know, two and a half hours every damn week. So we have made a concerted effort with about nine or 10 of these teams, highlighted them, talked about it. We are going to do as few words as possible on them. And I know we say this and then we proceed to talk about those teams for five to 10 minutes, but this time we actually mean it more than usual. So with that in mind, we do not have two duds on Thursday night football. We got the chiefs at the chargers, KC three point road favorite game total is at 52. So let's find out Dwayne. Let's find out if this latest get right spot against the Raiders will actually have the chiefs playing like the offense. We know they can be, or if it was once again, a blip on the radar, because over the last 10 weeks, Patrick Mahomes against the Raiders, 76.6 PFF passing grade, seven touchdowns, zero picks, nine yards per attempt, 74% completion rate. That's great. The problem is against everyone else, he's had 62.5 PFF passing grade, six touchdowns, eight picks, 6.1 yards per attempt, and a 59.9 completion rate. That's some like 2018 Josh Allen level numbers right there. Not great, but you know what? This is a Chargers defense that, yeah, had plenty of success against Mahomes the first time around, but if we can just get the best version of this guy in this entire offense. Obviously, they are more than capable of putting up points. We just need to kind of see it to believe it. So, uh, obviously, Kelsey, Tyreek, we're running them up. We're running them out there. We're starting them every single week. It is interesting, though, seeing some of the stuff that has really come to fruition over the year. Travis Kelsey, at this point, is behind Mark Andrews in fantasy points. This will be the first time since 2015 that Kelsey did not finish as a fantasy tight end one king. Look for him to get back on track this week. Chargers defense, he had 104 yards again. Back in week three, that was with a healthy Derwin James. Now Derwin's dealing with a hamstring injury. So Kelsey, don't be surprised if he, uh, you know, at least uh, beats that 327-0 line he's posted in back-to-back weeks. Dwayne, really going out there at that prediction. But I do think Kelsey gets more than 27 yards this uh, week. That's my lock of week 15. You're welcome for all that. Uh, Final notes here. Tyreek doesn't have a 100-yard game since week four. And this is a top five defense in yards per attempt, explosive pass play rate, QB rating on ballstone, 20-plus yards downfield. So hopefully we just kind of get a shootout game because lost in Mahomes' struggles has been the fact that the Chiefs defense has been playing so well that we haven't really seen them get in these competitive shootouts that were more of a staple of this offense for the first six weeks or so. And I think that is going to be what's going to depend if Clyde Edwards-Alaire ends up continuing to keep on keeping on since coming back from injury, RB15, RB23, and RB10. But Dwayne, he's still RB27 and expected PPR points per game on the year. Last week he had 15 first-half snaps. Daryl Williams 
Adams had 13. This is not the fantasy friendly situation we were hoping for with Clyde. Hey, he's in a great offense. If they're going to keep scoring 48 points a week, he'll probably find his way into the end zone a time or two, provide RB2 value. But I do not think Clyde is a must start player by any stretch in this spot. He should be in the majority of starting lineups, but I do think we can probably list 18 to 20 running backs that you would like to have over him. So a lot of guys talk about here, Dwayne, and we actually have a lot of good guys talk about with the Chargers. This time around, Keenan Allen has been activated off the COVID list. It looks like Austin Eckler should be fine to go. Let's hope that Herbert and Colby can uh, make this one as competitive as it was last time around. Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be – this may be the best game on the slate. I, I'm I mean, excited for just, it, yeah. We get to start it off on Thursday. Uh, it is interesting, though, that it is now the Chiefs, the defensive juggernaut, right? You wonder <laughs> what their offense is going to do. But, yeah, as far as Herbert goes, um, you know, I've got him in my tier two of quarterbacks this week, so he will land inside my top seven for sure. I mean, whenever you look at the Chiefs, even though they've been solid here lately, they're still giving up 22.3 points, you know, to opposing quarterbacks. So that's, you know, above average. And Herbert's played well enough. You got a game with a total like you, you know, we have already hit on, but it's a high total of 52. It's the highest on the week. Like we don't, there's not a lot of high totals this weekend. Like this one's by far, like this is the highest by like six points right now. Well, there's a 47 and a half, uh, for Arizona, but anyway, so implied total of 24.5, um, quarterback strength of schedule is a 1.6. And so that does speak to the kind of underlying fact that the chiefs, you know, have, have been better. So that's our PFF QB SOS metric, um, that you guys see in my ranks that I put out every single week. So it shows that it could be a tough spot for Herbert, but I just don't worry about it too much. And I mean, the guy is continuing to throw the ball. It's a pass first team. Um, we're getting Keenan Allen back. Like you mentioned, you've got Mike Williams. You saw Josh Palmer play better last week. Jalen Guy is getting involved deeper down the field. And then we've got Eckler who can work underneath, assuming that his ankle is ready to go. So as far as Eckler goes this week, you know, I still got him in my tier one. We'll have to see what happens. You know, we'll monitor the practice reports and stuff. See if any weird kind of news pops up tomorrow since the Thursday night game, but I'm anticipating that he's ready to play. From what I heard, it sounds like a tweak of an injury that he suffered the week before and he played through it. And he's actually played through a couple of injuries this year. You have to give Eckler credit. Like I think he's just basically wanted to, you know, just make sure that he's out there as much as he can be. Um, but running back strength of schedule is an eight out of 10. So that's really solid. Offensive line run blocking advantage is 59, uh, which is probably like the fifth or sixth highest. Um, I don't know if our tools are accounting for Slater yet, though. I think I think Slater might have been put on the COVID list as well. Yeah, so I believe he's out. Yeah. So, okay. So if he's out, like, I don't know if the tool is updated for that. So that could be a little bit lower, but it doesn't really matter because Eckler's so involved in the passing game. Now, what I will say is whenever you look at Austin Eckler um, and you look at the way that, you know, the, you know, chargers handle the target shares, et cetera, et cetera, like against zone, like he's an absolute beast. Like whenever you look at the, and this is true for most, um, you know, offenses, like they throw more to the, to the backs against zone. I've mentioned that multiple times when, but when you look at Eckler, so versus man coverage, which is, which is what the chiefs, use quite a bit, 12%, and his targets per route run against zone, 26%. So I don't expect quite as many targets this weekend, you know, or this week to Eckler as what we've seen just because the Chiefs primarily run so much man coverage. I say primarily, like, a high man coverage is like 40%, which means you're still primarily running zone. So you kind of got to take some of this stuff, stuff with a grain of salt, obviously like game scripts and things come into play as well, as far as what teams are going to play. Um, but Eckler just, I, I do, I, I do give him a small bump down. 
in the passing attack this week. But like I said, still in my top four uh, tier one player this week. And then when you look at Keenan Allen, he's still in tier two. I expect him to be ready to rock. Basically I've got him right now as my wide receiver seven on the Ooh. week. And again, I still got to tighten these things up, but he'll be in the top 12, no matter what. So he's a must start pretty much any format doesn't really matter. Um, and then as far as Mike Williams, man, I, I don't know what your thoughts are here, but I've just, you know, after last week, you know, him having a chance for the funnel situation, it was really Josh Palmer that got to play the Keenan Allen role. Jalen Guyton's been a little more involved, you know, working down the field. I don't know if it's an injury thing or what, um, but right now I've got Mike Williams in my fourth tier. You know, this guy started off like in probably this tier, like yeah. when the season began and he worked his way all the way up to like borderline tier one. And now he's made his, he's had a round trip folks. Um, so I've got him, you know, I've got him as a high end wide receiver three. And I, I just, I think that's probably just where he belongs right now. Yeah. Um, you could say low end wide receiver two, probably wouldn't argue much. I do still think that big Mike could come through. Um, it's just with his consistency. I think you're just safer setting your expectations in that wide receiver three range and then seeing if he can, if he can give you any upside from there. Um, nothing to really speak of on the tight ends with everybody back healthy. I don't expect much from Jared Cook. Yeah. Mike Williams is dealing with a heel injury. He was listed as a DMP on Monday's estimated report, but he did come back and get in a limited practice on Tuesday. Same goes for Donald Parham with a knee and Jared cook with a quad with a quad. So Dwayne, I would have said boomer bust wide receiver three, not upside <laughs> wide receiver three, but I think we're uh, pretty much. I, was, I didn't want to, I didn't, didn't want to steal your verbiage. You know? Oh, I know. And yeah. it's, you know, it's just so unique. I'm the only one in the industry using uh, these sorts of terms weekend and a uh, week out. Gotta love it. All right. On to Saturday football two matchups on saturday this week we got the raiders at the browns cleveland three point favorite game total at just 40 somehow not the lowest game total of the week but we will get to that texans jaguars disaster in a bit best thing we have going for us right now in this raiders offense is the goat himself hunter renfro since henry ruggs got out of the picture wide receiver 11 wide receiver 11 one dud wide receiver 53 and then over the past three weeks wide receiver five wide receiver 12 and wide receiver one nine plus targets in every game, except that dud at this point, Hunter Renfro should be in the top 20 of full PPR uh, wide receiver, you know, just rankings. And he needs to be started basically, even if there's a fire, I did not think in week 15 in the year 2021, Hunter Renfro would be a must start wide receiver, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. So go with Renfro. And after that, there is nothing guaranteed in this offense. We know Waller's still banged up. We're starting with he's back. I get it. I mean, only Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey have more expected PPR points per game than Waller this year, but just realize everyone, the floor is so much lower in this offense than it was in the first two months of the year, 16 or fewer points in five of the last six games. And I'm worried about Carr in this passing game, the Browns, they don't have the best numbers across the board, but the one thing they have been great at is really making offenses work for every last bit of yardage. They are number one in contested target rate on the season. So I can see miles Garrett and company just causing all sorts of problems at the line of scrimmage so other than Renfro and Waller don't want anything to do with this passing game with that said though I think Josh Jacobs is a part of this passing game now five plus catches and four of the last five weeks Dwayne he didn't have a single game with five catches in 2019 or 2020 so it's been great getting that floor out of him you know he's had usage of an RB1 but the Raiders offense has been so bad for the better part of the last six six weeks that we usually have seen him have RB1 usage at wind up posting RB2 production. So I think he's someone though that in this spot, we should probably feel comfortable with as an RB1. I don't think the 
Browns offense, which you'll get to, is good enough to necessarily necessarily blow the Raiders out of the water. We'll see if Jalen Richard returns from the COVID list. But, you know, even then, that, that could be more of like a Giovanni Bernard-type presence uh, in the backfield. Like, yeah, he might get some of the pure two-minute stuff, you know, the third and 17s and everything. But I don't think the Raiders are just going to stop passing the ball to Josh Jacobs without Kenyon Drake back in the picture. So, Early week, PFF projections, a lot of injuries out there, so we'll see what happens. But Kevin Cole always does a great uh, job with these. But the first run, most combined carries and targets among all running backs. We've got Sony Michelle, number one at 25. Najee Harris, number two at 24.5. And in third, Josh Jacobs at 23.1. That truly is an absurd touch ceiling that he has at the moment. I do think he should be in more starting lineups than not. Dwayne, where do you have Jacobs? I it's risky to go, I think, in the top 10, but man, I think, you know, naming more than 12 or 13 guys ahead of him might be tough. Yeah, I don't see how you can get him below running back. I've got him at running back 11 okay. right now. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I don't see how you get him out of 12 just because the utilization is so strong. It's not a good matchup, right? Um, but we'll see. We'll see what version of the Browns we're going to get. Like the whole team is, you know, dealing with COVID right now. Like I'm just hoping this game gets played to be honest, like looking at this list, that, um, but yeah, yeah, I think he's got to be inside the top 12. And that takes us right over to it. The big thing to monitor Dwayne, before we get to all the COVID stuff, let's talk about Nick Chubb in this Browns backfield. Kareem hunt is not expected to be suiting up. Unfortunately injured that ankle and on the short week, he's not going to be in the picture. Now leaves Nick Chubb as the running back. We have seen this a couple times earlier in the year. He didn't have the wildest usage, but that was a portion of the year where they were using Demetric Felton more often. I know in particular that Bengals game Chubb was dominating the usage in the first three quarters and then in the fourth quarter of a blowout Dearness kind of got more involved so what are your expectations here Dwayne for Nick Chubb because you know we've talked about this in the past where you have Chubb you have Hunt together they're you know each an RB2 but apart they should be a league winning RB1 potentially is that how you view Chubb now in this good spot yeah I mean despite some of the utilization stuff and you're right so basically what happened real quickly on Chubb's role um, it does expand with Hunt out. It's not like Dearness Johnson comes in and takes over the complete Kareem Hunt role. What happens is basically that Hunt role gets split between Chubb and between Dearness Johnson. So it does boost Nick Chubb's value. And if you look at him in the two games where he's been able to be fully healthy, whenever Kareem Hunt has been out, you know, he's had finishes of RB3 and RB6. So that's really what you're looking at, a top six RB. The biggest question right now um, with the Browns really does go back to COVID. Um, we, we've got Jarvis Landry out, but specifically for Chubb, you've got Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle, could potentially be out. You've got guard Wyatt Teller, guard Drew Forbes. I mean, uh, you got tight end Austin Hooper. They have Njoku, so maybe he can come back. He was on the COVID list last week. Um, I do know that Harrison Bryant practiced, so hopefully he'll be back. But there's just a lot of injuries right now with the Browns. I mean, we could be down two to three offensive linemen. And if that happens, I do think we've got to downgrade Chubb some, but his volume, like I'll take him out of tier one right now. I've got him as my RB four on the week. I've got it. Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Dalvin cook, Nick Chubb. So if, if these offensive linemen are all out and I'll put this in my write up around my um, tiers and ranks for the week, you know, he probably pivots down to like RB eight, nine, 10, somewhere in there. Ian, but you're still not going to be able to push him out of the top 12, no matter what, like if Ian and I are lining up at offensive line, then you could take him out, you know, of the lineup. Um, but other than that, like you're going to have to go ahead and roll with him. Hopefully though, we'll get some of these guys cleared and the Browns can feel the competitive team. That's the biggest thing on the Brown, the Browns. The only other thing obviously would be, you're going to have to watch Jarvis Landry. He's kind of come on over the last, 
last couple of weeks. And we say, come on, he's a serviceable wide receiver three. Okay. So you could be using him, but if he's out, Donovan Peoples Jones did actually play well this last week. And he could be in, he could be in line for more volume. The other guy to keep an eye on I already mentioned would be David and Joku. So if you've got Hooper out, you've got Jarvis Landry out. And if DPJ is still really just more of this field stretcher, it really could be in Joku working more the middle of the field, the drag routes, the seams, all that kind of stuff. He could be a sneaky play in DFS. <clears throat> um, you shouldn't be hurting enough at tight end to feel like you have to use him. Um, you know, as far as season long goes, since we're through the bye weeks. Remember for those counting at home, Baker Mayfield has two passing touchdowns to his wide receiver since OBJ was cut. OBJ himself has scored. Three. I was just trying to leave it alone for a weekend, but you can't. You just nope. can't do it. Can't do it. I'm just physically. I, I, thought, I thought Odell Beckham Jr. left the Browns, but apparently he's still hanging out with him. He's on the COVID list too. <laughs> Patriots at the Colts. <laughs> Indy sitting as two and a half point favorites, 45 and a half game total for this Saturday night matchup. Damian Harris, it looks like he's going to be back. Now, he could not finish the game before uh, the Patriots week 14 bye with a hamstring injury, but he is already practicing in a limited fashion to start the week. So I would expect him to suit up and play. And when that happens, it really renders both Harris and Ramondre Stevenson as touchdown dependent RB three types. I know everyone, we always got the rookie bug. We want the rookie to take over and Stevenson has been very good this year. So has Damian Harris though. So literally, you know, expect them to probably finish within three or four carries of each other. I would rank Harris ahead of Stevenson as we have really pretty much all year. Cause I do think he is their lead back, but yes, it is a situation where it's going to be tough to rank either guys, a top 24 player, because they're so close and we have Brandon Boulder continuing to take away the ever fancy friendly pass down work. So if Harris doesn't play, if he has a setback, that's when we're suddenly squeezing into Stevenson to all the lineups we can, because in our one game with no Harris in week 10, 55% snaps for Stevenson, not great, but 20 carries and five targets. They are not afraid to throw him the ball. So if Harris is active, you know, Harris and Stevenson guys that don't necessarily need to be in jam the starting lineups, but God forbid Harris does miss this game. Make sure you get Stevenson in there. You know, Mac Jones, he's Q PFF six highest graded QB, you know, Dwayne, we've talked about kind of a short of six short of sticks stats, but you know what? This is a fantasy football podcast. Ultimately he is QB 20 or worse in eight starts this year. Just doesn't have a high enough floor in this run first offense to, you know, be anyone we want to trust with the fantasy playoffs on the line. And the same goes for the wide receivers. I mean, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, they've all flashed top 24 goodness at points throughout the year. And Bourne's even had three top eight weeks, but we also see them regularly finish outside the top 50. We even got Kendrick Bourne mocking us, the fantasy community saying he doesn't care about the fantasy points. He just wants to win football games, which like, yeah, duh, but come on, man. Like either, embrace fantasy or go full heel. Like Josh Jacobs did this last year where he was saying like fancy stupid and stuff. Like I want all that smoke. I'm still waiting for the one player to pull like the anti Austin Eckler and just go full heel fancy, stupid, you stupid nerds and virgins, like quit worrying about this. Just go all in on it. It can be tongue in cheek. It'll be funny. A lot of people will hate you, but you know what, Dwayne, I, I don't want all in like Josh Jacobs freaked us all out last year. <laughs> they love you one week. They hate you the next week. Just make sure you get paid both weeks. That's what someone like Jacobs or like Kendrick Bourne could do. Kendrick Bourne has been afforded a rare opportunity. No, more people talked about Kendrick Bourne making fun of fantasy football. And they've talked about Kendrick Bourne the entire season. So, you know, as part of our agency, you know, we could help convert tight ends to wide receivers um, to help get more paid. We're also going to start, you know, giving media advice on how players well, if you should can't be draft about yourself fantasy in a football. fantasy league. If you hypothetically played him one and you're an NFL player, player you should just make fun of fantasy like that's what you should do so i agree with kendrick Bourne. just make fun of it 
finally with the tight ends. It looked like Hunter Henry was carving out a consistent kind of top 15 ranking spot. And then over the last three weeks, tight end 30, tight end 35, and tight end 46. They are using Johnny Smith much more than they were early in the year, rendering both guys as non-viable fancy options. Dwayne, hopefully people listening to this podcast didn't have a week 14 playoff start and had to live with Jonathan Taylor on by, but he's back and ready to go. I know the Patriots had the league best scoring defense, but can you rank anyone ahead of Jonathan Taylor at this point? I don't think so. I mean, I think if you wanted to this week, you, you know, Dalvin cooks in a really sweet spot Eckler, you know, if he's fully healthy, but the way I look at it again, is like tears. Like, so I've got Taylor Eckler cook and Chubb all together. You know, and I, I like all of them. Fournette's down a little bit this week. Like, I've got him a couple spots below that. But, yeah, with Taylor, like, I just – why? Like, just – I don't know. Like, let's just put him at one. Like, he's he's my favorite player in the tier, so I just go with that. Um, you know, so looking at the rest of this team, um, Wentz, you know, it's a tough matchup, you know, for, for a quarterback against the Patriots. Only 15.9 points per game. We do have that last game with Buffalo and, like, the 80-mile-an-hour hurricane, you know, that they were playing in. So, you, it's, it's a little bit – jaded like as far as this data goes but still like the Patriots overall have been a really tough matchup period and you know to Jonathan Taylor's credit like the Colts know that they're really more of a running team so I am ranking Jonathan Taylor high Carson Wentz I don't want to use this week he's in my tier six of tight end of, of wide, res- God, wide receivers quarterbacks <laughs> tight ends running backs whatever he's a quarterback duh, 22 is his rank this week when you look at Michael Pittman um, you know there could be a little something there like it you know the the Patriots they're tough against you know receivers only 29.2 points given away you know per game in PPR format however with Pittman the thing I do like against man heavy teams which the Patriots are the fourth most um man heavy team 27% target share against man coverages for Michael Pittman this year the next closest guy on the Colts is 16% so he by far gets the most looks against man. He also does a nice job of getting open against press man coverage. So, I mean, I think there's some positives there with Pittman. Um, He's not like this scorching blazer that's going to make all these big plays, but Pittman really is, you know, he's a solid receiver that's not getting enough credit because the Colts just don't have to throw that ball, throw the ball that much Ian. But I think if they got in a situation where they needed to, they could, Don't know that this game is going to be that spot. This feels like one of those closer games, you know, down to the end where, you know, each team is trying to to manufacture a win by like not screwing up. So I don't know how heavy I would get on a guy like Pittman, but I thought I would throw that out there because people seem to love, you know, the man zone coverage stuff, which I'm really digging into as well. So um, as far as the rest of the team, um, there really isn't anything else. Um, T.Y. Hilton, I've got down like tier eight this week um, and you're not touching Jack Doyle. There's nothing there with Jack Doyle. Hopefully they keep Pittman, uh, the rushing involvement going. That Texans game, they gave him two reverses, picked up 33 yards on him. To me, Robert Woods going. There we go. I mean, that was the most impressive part about Pittman for me last year was his kind of yak ability on those crossers and everything. To your point about him beating man coverage, he's certainly developed a lot in 2021. But yeah, get, get your best players to ball in space. Doesn't always need to be hard, everyone. Titans at the Steelers. Now we're on the Sunday. Tennessee, one and a half point road favorite game total of 41 and a half. There are some brutal totals this week. At this point with the Titans, it's hard to get behind anyone as a legit, you know, tight end definitely not a tight end one maybe not even a tight end two don't have a wide receiver too i think julio is you know in the wide receiver three range but similar to kind of Cortland sudden at this point where 
if we had the Girl Scout with the gun showing up to our door, like I'm not sure how confident we would be in putting them inside the top 36, but we know they're talented enough to do it, even though it's been tough in recent weeks. So just 45% snaps last week for Julio. It kind of makes sense that they would ease him back in a little bit. 20, nothing went over Jaguars obviously spent the better part of the last two months on the injured reserve list. Hopefully we see that ramp up, but you know, I don't think Julio is necessarily a must start for some of these deeper teams uh, that could obviously have several top 24 options already. So Julio, you know, winnable spot, the Steelers defense definitely isn't a big time unit to mess with, but I think even more so it's been teams able to instill their will on the ground. With that said, man, points are points. And you know, this steel curtain defense over the last four weeks, they've allowed 36, 19, 41 and 41 points. So that's really the only reason why with Deontay Foreman, I'm not completely out because my goodness, that usage last week was horrific. Jerry McNichols, 36% snaps, Dontrell Hilliard, 35% and Deontay Foreman, 33% snaps. That is absolutely gross. And that was in like a best case positive game script for Foreman. So he should be getting 10 to 12. You would hope more carries per week. I could see him making the most out of these against Pittsburgh's league worst defense in yards before contact with carry. I mean, that was the wild thing about the Dalvin cook game, man. We know Dalvin's great at breaking tackles and everything, but he had 110 yards before contact Jonathan Taylor against the jets. Only other guy this year to clear triple digits yards before contact in a single game. So, you know, with that said, Foreman, I think it's a touchdown dependent RB3 because ultimately this is the bottom five offense in the league right now. And it pains me to say that, but it's true. Without Derrick Henry, 29th in EPA per play overall, 22nd in EPA per pass play, and 27th in EPA per run play. And we have the volume spread out. So yeah, sometimes in bad offenses, we do see situations where we can get behind a guy or two because the volume is condensed to them. That is not the case this week. If you do not have a single Tennessee Titans player on your fantasy team, you are probably in a pretty decent spot. Definitely not trying to go the well with Ryan Tannehill because of all those things I just mentioned and the likelihood that I think they are probably going to try to attack Pittsburgh where they are weakest and run the ball. The problem is they're probably going to do it with three guys. So Dwayne Pittsburgh kind of has the opposite problem. They still, for the most part, are bad offense, but at least they have given us Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, and everyone's like least favorite player in the world. Apparently chase Claypool. Yeah. Chase gets no love. Uh, and I get it. Like this is kind of a boneheaded move, but uh, your tweet was perfect. Like uh, <laughs> did, did chase Claypool give up, you know, the 200 yards rushing? I don't think so. Massey's not happy about your assessment of Chase Claypool either. And evidently <laughs> she's, a, she's, a, she's a fan. Um, but yeah, starting with Roethlisberger in the passing game, it's warmed up a little bit, Ian, over the last couple of weeks. I know it's like nothing to get too excited about, but two out of the last four games, Ben does have top 10 finishes as far as fantasy quarterback, uh, you know, finishes go. I mean, before that, like nowhere near, right? 28, 24, 22, 27, 17, 22, 17, 15. Jeez. Here's his last four games, eight, 21, 15, and six. They are throwing the ball a little bit more, um, seem to be less, you know, of, um, you know, some of the schematic changes that they were trying to utilize early in the season. It's almost just like they're saying, fine, just stay in shotgun, whatever. We'll just set back, let you use the weapons. And, and they do have enough weapons, right? You know I mean? When you look at it, that's the positive about a quarterback like Roethlisberger is, you know, they can come through if their weapons make the plays for them. Um, not so much that, you know, Ben is going to facilitate all of this and that he's going to carry the team, but the weapons can help him out. It's kind of like, you know, he and Teddy Bridgewater are similar. Like, do you want to start them any week? No, but their weapons could come through for them and actually save the day. Jimmy, Garoppolo is kind of similar. Like you got these, this kind of group of players that are all, you know, kind of like, um, so as far as,
far as the receivers go, Deontay Johnson, I mean, everybody knows like Deontay is the target hog. Last week it did dip down, but look, he's mortal folks, 22% target share. Most, a lot of receivers will still just dream of that. We got, you get spoiled when you see 30%, 32%, 35%, all these high numbers. Um, but I expect Deontay to easily bounce back this week. 41.8 points given up per game by Tennessee to opposing wide receivers. So I've got Deontay Johnson inside my top eight this week, um, borderline tier one. Um, I may actually move him up into it. I had him in tier one last week, though, Ian. I felt like I slightly jinxed him. So I want to be careful. <laughs> but Deontay will be in my top 10. Chase Claypool, you know, the guy you mentioned, the villain that nobody wants to love. I think he's a borderline wide receiver two this week. I've got him as a high-end wide, uh, high wide receiver three. Um, we need to see his practice. Like the thing that bothers me with Claypool right now, and I think it is related to the toe, is we've just seen the routes come down. Um, so we've just seen more of James Washington, seen more of Ray Ray McLeod working in just because Claypool has not been at full health. So if you look at the last two games, routes run per drop back 68% and 55%, but his targets per route run have gone up. And so if you look at this last week, even though everybody was upset, still had a wide receiver 14 finish. So in this matchup, you know, if you look at, you know, the slate, it is the most points being given up to opposing wide receivers or second most, sorry. Uh, first is uh, Chicago versus Minnesota, but you got second here with Tennessee. So 41.8 per game is pretty good. So I, I like Claypool high end wide receiver three this week. And then Pat Fryermuth. Um, you know, I've got him in my fourth tier. Um, if you look at the matchup, this tight end strength of schedule is not great. It's a 3.4. And remember, this is a scale of zero to 10. So it's kind of tough. Only 8.9 points given up per game by Tennessee to opposing tight ends. So Fryermuth is really kind of on the verge of being more of a high end tight end two this week because we don't have any buys. I've currently got him ranked at tight end 13. So there you go. Like, wow, I hadn't put the numbers by him. I just have the tiers <laughs> in there. So good eye. Um, yeah, and that's it. That's it. Well, oh, Najee Harris. Duh. People are like, what about Najee Harris? Um, he's a tier two back. It is a tougher matchup this week, um, but it's not. It's not terrible. And you're never going to bench Najee. It doesn't matter. Like he's out there all the time. Plays long. Plays a long down distance, two minute offense. Handles the early down stuff as well. Um, yeah, not as efficient as some other backs. You know, he's got some offensive line problems, but again, we always follow the volume. So Najee will be in my tier two this week. He'll easily be inside my top six to eight backs. Now, actually, nine finishes as a fancy RB1 this year. Only Jonathan Taylor has more with 11. I know, not always been pretty, but hey, volume is volume. We will take that eight days of the week. Panthers at the Bills. Buffalo, 10.5 point favorite. Game total about 43.5. Can't go with Cam. Way too much risk for P.J. Walker to either come in or just Cam to get benched. Obviously not playing well. And the matchup completely sucks. And the additional problem is that because Cam isn't being fully benched, we need to continue to worry about him vulturing whoever the running back is near the goal line. Last week it was Amir Abdullah out snapping Chuba Hubbard 60% to 39%. Still only had four carries and four targets. Now we're looking at even more negative game script than they rather inexplicably had against the Falcons last week with a game total of 43 and a half. Nobody is implied to score fewer points this week than the Panthers at 16 and a half. Basically the one guy all year we've been able to not even rely on in the second half, but at least start with some level of confidence. DJ Moore, he's now dealing with a hamstring injury and still leads the league in incomplete targets that were deemed to be their quarterback's fault at 24. So if DJ Moore is in there, going to have to take that injury in the mind, going to have to take this quarterback situation in the mind, get him closer to that wide receiver two borderline than ever, if not even dip him into wide receiver three territory. I would not call DJ a must start this week. If active, if he is out, same thing goes for Robbie Anderson. He's not going to be ranked that high 
highly, but he will be someone that could feasibly be a flex. Make sure you check out the waiver wire edition of this podcast for more thoughts on Robbie, but he was, I believe, you know, dead last in our six or seven wide receivers we were talking about. So guys like Russell Gage, guys like Gabriel Davis, I would still want to start ahead of Robbie Anderson. Even if DJ Moore is out of the picture, that is a state of this Panthers offense at this point. Dwayne, I think we actually have a chance to get behind Devin Singletary this week. I was going through the backfield. He is dominating usage last few weeks. I know we didn't have the Patriots. Patriots game was different because Zach Moss was active there. He's been a healthy scratch. Otherwise, if we have it this week where Moss is again inactive, we have Josh Allen probably playing, but dealing with the foot injury. Maybe just maybe man, Devin Singletary flirts with the 15 touch mark. Like that's the best case we can expect with one of these running backs. But if someone's going to get it, it would be Singletary. Yeah, I think I think the key is you need Moss inactive, right? Um, you know, last yeah. week it was really RB one Josh Allen, <laughs> you know, just like QB one Josh Allen on the team. Um, but if you've got Moss inactive, and we know that Allen has been battling, you know, the um, injury all week, then the the foot sprain, and then that would give me enough to your point to say, okay, let's let's get we could think about using Singletary. My guess though is that Zach Moss will be active if that would make sense. Gonna, that would make there's going to be challenges with Josh Allen. But again, we'll have to wait and see. You're right around the utilization. I mean, his snaps over the last three weeks: sixty-eight percent, forty-eight percent. That's the Zach Moss week where Zach was in. Eighty-one percent percent last week. Um, Rushing attempts, 54%, 50%. So that, you know, he had 50% of the rushing attempts. Now there's not a lot, but Buffalo, right? They throw the ball more than any other team in the NFL. They and the Bucs and the Chargers are all like super pass heavy teams. And so we just don't see enough, you know, even if you get 50%, it might be on a certain week, you get like eight carries because they run the ball so little. But to your point, like the utilization is there. If they get into a situation you know, where it isn't going to be Allen and we don't have to worry about Moss, then I, I would say that you know, you can partake, folks. We give you permission. <laughs> you can partake in some Devin Singletary. Right now, I have him in my sixth tier of backs, though. So just in that low-end RB3 range, which is kind of where I rank any active Bills running backs every week. You know, they're somewhere between like 30 and 40. Um, and, you know, sometimes, like, you just don't know what order to put them in. But I do agree that no matter what, Singletary should be, like, at the top as far as utilization. Matt Breida on the other hand, like is the one that he, he actually scores fantasy points, but you don't know how he's doing it. Cause he's not getting around. He, he doesn't, you know, get enough touches at all, but the last two weeks it's been problematic for Brita. That's kind of caught up with him there for a little bit. It was like, kind of like he was scoring a touchdown every week and everything was working out. So he's, he's a guy that you want to avoid as far as the rest of the bills go. I mean, really all we want, right. Is the passing offense. I spent too long talking about the running backs. I'm sorry. Um, Josh Allen. I have in my top three, obviously he's a tier one quarterback um, quarterback strength to schedule kind of tough 3.6. Um, on a scale of zero to 10, lower being worse. Um, so that's not great. 17.7 points allowed per game by Carolina. But you know what? I don't really care. Now, the thing that could slow Allen down is if 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 the foot is really you know problematic and he can't run, and we hear this throughout the week, Ian, then I may move Josh Allen down a little bit. But even then, like it's going to be tough for me to – like I don't see him getting outside the top six, even if I think that he can't run as well. Because his legs are a big part of, you know, really providing insulation to his fantasy value no matter the script. And those rushing touchdowns, we all love the rushing touchdowns. As far as the passing game goes, um, whenever you look at Stefan Diggs, um, I've got him inside my top 10 this week. He's got a 92.1 wide receiver cornerback matchup, so that's going to be in the top six 
on the week. So he's in a good spot as far as that goes. Carolina is pretty stingy, 29.5 points allowed per game to opposing wide receivers in a PPR format. Um, but again, it's Stefan Diggs and he's probably kind of due. you know, he, he, he kind of jumped out there for a little bit, you know, Ian, whenever you look at him, like we were kind of complaining, we're like, man, Stefan Diggs, like wide receiver, 36, 16, 48, seven, 23. And then he popped off for an 18, two, 17, seven. And these last two weeks been back kind of down again, 38 and he's been 31. so close though, man. I mean, so those yes. missed calls last week and then in the snowball, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, you don't really care. Like it's Stefan Diggs. He plays on a pass heavy team. He's an elite receiver plays with a good quarterback, like equations done, like just <laughs> like lock it in. He should be inside your top 12 pretty much every single week. Um, you mentioned Gabriel Davis. I'm very interested in Gabriel Davis this week. I talked about him in the utilization report more today, broke it down further. If you folks want to go check that out some more, but basically, I mean, I put him as my top wide receiver ad going into the playoffs just because of the upside that could be here. Ian, we know he's probably, in line for the start this week. Manuel Sanders is week to week right now with a knee sprain. So he's probably out, but it could be longer. And Gabriel Davis could just take this job over. So you want to make sure if you're going in the playoffs, especially if you're a team that maybe you're heavier at running back and you don't like your receivers and you're worried about how are you going to deal with some of these other lineups you're going to face that are stacked. Like Gabriel Davis is your ticket. I'm not saying he's going to hit, but you're in a, again, all the same things we just said, you know, for digs minus Gabriel's got to prove his talent, but looking at the quarterback, looking at how often they throw the ball. I mean, there's a real opportunity and really the bills haven't done a great job stretching the field this year. And Gabriel Davis can do that for them. And we know that Josh Allen, you know, has definitely got the arm to make that work. Not always the most accurate on those deep passes, but let's face it, those balls over 20 plus yards, those go up and down every single year. Most quarterbacks, you know, it's tough to be really consistent in that category. So Gabriel Davis could really catch fire. I've got him just outside my top 36 in this week. Cause I mean, it's a full week. We don't have any teams on by, but I've got him at wide receiver 40 right now. Um, but I could easily see maybe, a, and again, these have to be tightened down. He could, he could get moved up a little bit more than this, um, but it's in a good spot with 27 implied points. Um, you know, and he could, all it takes is one pass, one deep pass, right. To Gabriel Davis. And he makes his day for you. And I think, so the way I look at him is he is that low end wide receiver, three high end wide receiver four, but very so easily can pay off with a wide receiver two performance and really does have wide receiver one upside. Cause if all of a sudden he catches two touchdowns, he's there. And I think that there's actually a chance in this one that we wind up seeing um, Gilmore going around the field and tracking Stefan Diggs. Last week was the first time all year the Panthers asked Stefan Gilmore to shadow the opposing wide receiver one that was Russell Gage. And Gage still had four catches for 64 yards. But just realize, I mean, if we have Gilmore on Diggs, it would make sense if Allen looks Gabriel Davis's way a little bit more often. I'm not saying Gilmore is quite playing out defensive player of the year caliber, but, you know, based on some great tackle, you know, limited snaps compared to some other guys. He is PFF single highest graded cornerback this year. So get your popcorn ready for that potential matchup. NFC East battle. We got the football team at the Eagles, Philly five point home favorites game total at 44. Adam Schefter has reported that Taylor Heineke is expected to play through that ankle injury, but man, like this is just one of those quarterbacks where if you take away that mobility, I really think we're going to have a problem here. We already see the arm strength being enough of an issue week in and week out. He is like literally the worst quarterback in the league throwing 20 plus yards downfield yet. He still thinks he can call Terry McLaurin, tell him to go further and then underthrow him and call cause him to get concussed in the first place. So hopefully Terry McLaurin can make out of the protocol suit up for this one. You know, he's someone that who are we just talking about where I um, like Julio Jones esque. I, 
I don't know that you need, need, need to start Terry McLaurin. If it's like a situation where you have a pretty loaded lineup, he's someone that we've been going to the well with, but Dwayne, like more and more, man, we talk about the boomer bust, but it's really becoming, okay. There were a couple booms earlier in the year. And now just a hell of a lot of bust. So nothing against Terry, the player, just this passing game has been so up and down. That's tough to expect, you know, too much from him. So I think maybe a little bit more in that Mike Williams territory. I probably would start Terry over Mike Williams if active, but I think he's much closer to Mike Williams than Keenan Allen. I, I can guarantee that um, he is much closer to Mike at this point. So, so I'm going to keep in mind with Terry. If he is out, there's no one else we can play because it's just too crowded. Like the Washington football team is basically pulling a Jets and they have Adam Humphreys, DeAndre Carter, Cam Sims, Diami Brown, and Curtis Samuel forming this annoying five-way committee. We also got Bates playing ahead of RSJ, but they're both stealing snaps away from each other. So can't trust any of the complimentary pass game options. And we're probably firing up Antonio Gibson in your starting lineups again, even if J.D. McKissick is back from the concussion protocol, which it seems like he will be. I get it. Last week wasn't great. PPR RB 36. Just keep in mind before that RB six, RB seven, RB 23 and RB seven. It comes down to whether or not Gibson can get something close to neutral game script. And, you know, I would hope that Washington isn't down 27 or 24 points, whatever it was at halftime uh, to the Eagles, the same way they were against the Cowboys last week. So pretty much every running back is going to have a hard time uh, coming back from that sort of game script. When you don't have your team's featured pass down role, we've known Gibson has that floor, but we also know with neutral game script, he can go for 20 plus touches and find his way into the end zone once or twice. So Gibson remains a volume based RB two, just a little bit more volatile. I think than we would prefer now, Dwayne, I had, you know, so, sometimes I just crack myself up and I, I got myself pretty good today because Miles Sanders is more overdue than tropic of cancer. You like that one? Sure. Ian. Sure. You don't get it. it. You don't get it. That's like an old timer joke. Like guys like you, Jerry Seinfeld. Old timer. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I think it's a really great joke. I think people are laughing in their car. I think you're the one that doesn't get it, Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, people are probably laughing in the future in their car <laughs> when they hear this. I'm sorry yes. for completely killing the mood there, but if you want to talk about the Eagles, uh, that'd be great, man. Appreciate yeah, you. I'll, I'll, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Hurts, man. Um, in a good, he's in a good spot. Twenty-five point one points allowed per game by Washington to opposing quarterbacks. They've been a little bit better than that lately. Um, but Hertz is expected to play. You know, coming out of the bye week, you know, he missed the week before the bye where he had Gardner Minshew get the start. Um, but we we expect to have Hertz back at his full ability of his powers. So rushing will be on the table. And then we've got a good matchup through the air for one of his weapons. So there is a potential stack option here with Devonta Smith. If you look at Washington, giving up 39.5 points per game to opposing wide receivers, but our wide receiver strength schedule matchup says it's not as great for Devonta Smith. And if you look at his, his wide receiver cornerback matchup, it's about average of 56.2. So he's not completely green in on the Christmas tree, but overall, <laughs> this is a matchup where he's playing against another team that gives up a lot of points to fantasy wide receivers. So you still lean into it, just not completely lit up green. Um, as far as the rest of the Eagles receivers, you're going to avoid it. But as far as Dallas Scott goes, he's a player that I know you and I have been screaming for screaming for and i feel like we were basically going horse and we couldn't actually talk about dallas Goddard anymore <laughs> thank god dallas we love you you came through for us but the utilization with them remains elite always out there over the 80 percent threshold of the wide of the uh routes 
um, run that we want to see. And then if you look at his targets for a route run, also elite. And now he's in a really nice spot this week. Um, everything is green, not like solid green. So like, I don't know what's a lighter colored tree in anyway, I won't wait on that, but it's not like a, it's not like a dark pine, but it's definitely green <laughs> across the board. There's no red, there's nothing red. It's like a palm no tree, red palm tree yeah. right? Does that work? Yeah, palm tree. That works. That works. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a palm, it's a palm tree hue of green for Dallas Goddard, but I've got, I've got Goddard inside of my top eight this week. Week. He's actually in my third tier where I've got Pitts, Hawkinson, Goddard, and Gusecki. We'll have to see if Hawkinson's going to play, but I think that's the range that he belongs in just below like the Kittle, Kelsey, Gronkowski, Mark Andrews, that, you know, that group. And I, I've, I've got one person, one of those guys is in a tier of their own this week, but anyway, um, so Goddard is usable. Devonta Freeman is usable. I don't know if I mentioned his rank, but I've got him just outside the top 24. So high end wide receiver three, and then the running backs, man, I don't know what to tell folks with this, uh, you know, Miles Sanders will see, probably going to have Jordan Howard back this week. Boston Scott can be in the mix, you know, Kenneth Gainwell, you know, there's going to be three backs involved. Now we did see when, when Sanders first came back, he was kind of on pace early in a game to really, even though you had other guys active to take over, then what happens? He fumbles. Then we have a game, a couple of games where you have other guys hurt. What happens to Miles Sanders? He gets hurt. So I've dug on this. There's not really a clean data point anywhere again to just say that here was this healthy game with Miles Sanders, you know, with all this other competition. It's like every time we start to feel like we're going to get a read on it, like once something changes, there's a new variable. So I am going to rank Sanders at the top, right, of these guys. But at the same time, I don't feel super confident about it. I don't know what your thoughts are on where you've got him for this week, but I've got him in my tier four of running backs, um, which is basically from running back like 20 down to running back 30. Like, so he's in there with yeah. a group of 10 players, meaning like he could perform more like a, an, an RB three, but he also, we, we acknowledge in a run heavy team like the Eagles with the second most run heavy team in the league, like even 50% of the carries could be enough to come through, especially if he breaks off a long run where he could easily be an RB two. Like he's got an RB one performance in there. Like it's, it's, he's got, he's got the ability. Like he's not like the best at reading blocks and all these sort of things, but he is an athlete. Like he can break these long plays. We just haven't seen that version yet of miles Sanders this year. So I think that's about where he deserves to be. We would call what, what Ian would call the borderline RB two treatment. And again, we've got everyone back from by. So it's just tougher when you've got a full slate of guys to pick from, to figure out how you're going to get someone like miles Sanders all the way up the board and just saying, Hey, he's a must start as an RB two. I just don't think you can get there. Right. There's just too many workload concerns. And the thesis of my poorly timed and delivered joke to start off that segment <laughs> was the fact that Sanders has 135 scoreless touches this year. Tevin Coleman is in second with literally half that at just 67. So from the one standpoint, yeah. How can Sanders go this much longer without putting up a big game without finding the end zone? On the other hand, it's like, well, like you said, Howard's back. Gamewell could be there. Scott could be there. Who knows who's going to be there? Sanders should be the top guy. But yeah, I do think I will have him ranked closer to RB30 than RB20. Certainly not someone that needs to be jammed in the lineups. And now for the main event, Texans at the Jaguars, Jacksonville. Somehow it's legal. Hey, Ian, let me let me start the timer. I'm going to see. I'm going <laughs> to cut us off. No. <laughs> so, somehow it's legal in America for Jacksonville to be favored in a professional football game. They are by three and a half game total resting at 39 and a half. 
We don't even have a four in that one. Absolutely brutal. Davis Mills, congrats on throwing over 300 yards last week. Just realized not have a single completion over 20 yards downfield in this offense. Brandon Cooks remains the only person worthy of your time in fantasy land wide receiver 22 on the season, 28 per game on pace for 95 catches, 1102 yards, six season of his career with a thousand plus yards firmly in wide receiver three territory. Not someone you love to start, but someone that you know can give you solid games from time to time because he has virtually done that his entire career. Quickly with Davis Mills, he is PFF's 37th highest graded passer. Trey Lance is 35th. Trevor Lawrence is 38th. Justin Fields is 40th. Zach Wilson's 41st. And Mac Jones is 6th. I really think it'd be a lot cooler if these rookie quarterbacks weren't so shitty, but that's just the way things are this year in 2021. And finally, as Dwayne and I talked about on the waiver pod these running backs miss me with them we do have david johnson on the covid list and you know looking at rex burkett he's considered day-to-day with the hip injury we also got jalen samuels on the covid list so if it comes time for sunday and houston says hey all these guys are out and royce freeman is going to be our bell cow maybe then we can put him in the top 36 players but i'm not going to be feeling good about it because Dwayne, last week royce freeman finished as a ppr rb20 and week eight burkett was the rb22 those are the top two instances of this Texans backfield all year. So like that's the ceiling you're chasing people. Maybe but they'll finish as a low end RB2. That's like your best case scenario in a backfield we haven't been able to predict all year long. So like several of these teams I've had in a row, if you don't have a single one of these players on your team, you know, thank the fantasy gods and move on like I am now to Dwayne to break down the Jaguars. And you know, Dwayne, if Urban could do one thing for us, just one thing for the fantasy community, and that would be enabling James Robinson and back-to-back smash spots in the fantasy playoffs against the Texans and against the Jets. I'm just not confident it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. If you ask, if you ask Urban Meyer about it, he'd probably tell you he's pretty sure that they're getting James Robinson more involved. <laughs> uh, like, there's players that don't get snaps that they're asking this guy. I, about. I saw he's someone. Like, yeah, uh, I think he's more. He's I, more involved. I saw someone in that thread there, like asking the reporter if they could like ask Urban what he thought about like a made-up name and just see what he'll say at this point. If he even knows the team. full roster. <laughs> That's like the old radio prank, you know, yeah. the old people like I would play, you know, on like these sports talk show hosts. Is alcohol guys there? Act like they knew everything we would call and we would like act like we would make up some name like before the draft. What about so-and-so out of some small school? And like, sometimes like they would go with it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, James Robinson, and this is all I'm going to talk about. Uh, you guys uh, look, if you're, having, you're probably not in the playoffs if you're having to start Jaguars wide receivers, but James Robinson could give you a chance. 9.8 out of 10 running back strength of schedule um, offensive line run blocking advantage, eh, man, but 27.3 points given up per game by the Texans, you know, each week to opposing running backs. And if you look at, you know, that volume that we all love to chase so much, you know, whenever you look at, uh, you know, Houston's defense, you know, they're just one of the worst in the league as far as just really giving up, you know, these attempts 31.4 per game in regulation over the last six games, that second most and for the season, they're at 30.2, which is the number one. So James Robinson, and it's because, they suck and they trail all the time. So the Jaguars do have to do their, their part. They have to at least stay in the game, but technically on paper, like this does look like a matchup that could stay close. So maybe this is that game for Robinson because really Robinson, you know, despite the fact that he came up really small last week in the box score, Ian, you know, he still did dominate, you know, the rushing touches for the Jaguars. His utilization was really strong from that perspective where he's lost the work is the passing down duties because you have passing down, you know, specialists 
Carlos Hyde. Like he's like Naheem Hines, JD McKissick. The next name you think of is Carlos Hyde. Like he's so awesome. Like, you know, he's, a, he's better than Austin Eckler. He's better than all these other guys at being a receiver. I've often said that. Field. I've often said that. I know you have. I'm just, I'm just, I'm only just seconding what I hear from the greatest, you know, the, the greatest mind at PFF. Um, so when you look at Robinson though, I mean, last week, uh, 75% of the rushing attempts two weeks before 61%. So, I mean, he's in a good spot from that standpoint, they just got to keep the game close. So for me, I've got Robinson right now in my tier three of backs in. Um, so I've got him as I got to kind of scroll down here. I've got him right now as RB 16, you know, and I, sometimes fair. that feels too high, but I mean, if we look at Robinson, you know, over the last several games, you know, he's been last week, obviously was terrible. They were losing the whole game. They were getting blown out. So he was 66, but the week before 41, but then he was an 18, 18, 12. And he's got another couple of 12s going back to week three and four. He's got an eight and a four. I'm not suggesting we're going to, you know, like this is going to be a situation where we get to go back in time to those days, but I think he can give you that mid range RB two performance this week. Um, I'm guessing, you know, there's going to be, there'll be several starts at questions where I'll still lean the other way, you know, whenever James Robinson's include included, but I'm guessing there are probably also, cause you know, how this stuff goes in, there'll be a lot of names that'll get thrown at you that you'll still be kind of, you know, you'll be kind of surprised. You're like, really? Like you would start them over James Robinson. And you know what these names are. It'll be like Chuba Hubbard, Daryl Williams, <laughs> uh, Jamal Williams, Deonta Foreman, names like that. Like you easily are starting James Robinson over players like that. I was on a radio show in Wisconsin last week and I got a start sick question where they threw Cooper cups name in there. And I, I just cut them off. And me and the radio hosts were like, well, no, we're not going to answer this. Like, what are you doing here? Like even putting that sort of thing into the universe. So yeah, you do get some uh, pretty funky questions around the way. Cowboys at the giants, Dallas, 10 and a half point favorites game total 44 and a half. If you've watched the Cowboys game uh, over the past six weeks, you can tell that Zeke is not the same guy. He truly was looking like a better, faster version of himself earlier in the year. Just haven't seen that guy in a while since they're by RB 27, 29, 10, 17, 15, 35. And most recently again, RB 35. So he is a volume based RB two touchdown dependent RB two, whatever, you know, as, you want to throw in there that you're probably sick of hearing me say week after week anyway, but realize that we have a much lower floor than we're used to seeing from Zeke. I mean, last week, Corey Clement's involvement was a little bit due to, you know, the game script and everything, but at the same time, I believe in the first half, it was like Zeke with seven carries Clement with six. So at this point in the year, like they aren't going to give Zeke 20 to 30 touches when he's kind of in this state, particularly with Tony Pollard potentially coming back this week. It sounds like the Cowboys believe uh, he is feeling better better with the foot issue. Um, I would continue to think Zeke is going to be more of a touchdown dependent RB two. And Hey, the Cowboys are implied for 27.75 points. That's always great. But yeah, I, I, you know, would never fathom putting Zeke near that fantasy football bench in week 15. If you do have a stud laden squad it is not completely out of the realm of imagination. I just hope we get the best version of Dak Prescott back because that is going to be what enables the rest of this offense. Uh, since going back from that calf injury, it's been concerning. And Dwayne, you kind of mentioned this on our Sunday review pod. I went back and ran the numbers the following day. Weeks one through six, 87.6 PFF passing grade. Since then, in weeks nine through 14, 67.7. 16 touchdowns and four picks in the first six games. Last six games, eight touchdowns and six picks. The yards per attempt has dropped from 8.4 to 6.6. .6. Completion rates dropped from 73.2 to 
63.2. He just has not been the same. Now it's similar to like the Eagles splits you were talking about where in almost every one of these games, Tyron Smith was out or Cooper was out or Gallup was out or CD lamb was out. So a lot of stuff going on. I'm not saying it's only the calf injury, but I also think from watching the games, he hasn't quite looked as comfortable as, you know, mobile, maybe as he looked earlier in the year. So just something to keep in mind with Dak. And I think that would be the reason if you're one of these more blessed teams and you have a Jalen Hurts versus Dak or one of these situations, um, I wouldn't be against going with the non-Cowboy, which again, surprised to be saying that, but that's just kind of the status of this Cowboys offense right now. Really similar to Chiefs, man, where it's scary to think how good this Cowboys team and how good the Chiefs team could be if they get the best version of their offense and their defense. Right now, their defense has kind of been carrying them more so in recent weeks. CeeDee Lamb, every week, wide receiver one. Gotta love him, and I think his floor is higher than ever now that he's working much more out of the slot. That means Amari Cooper should be seeing most of James Bradbury on the outside. Giants did not have him shadow anyone in their first matchup, but honestly, when Cooper's as healthy as he looks right now, I don't care. Get him in the lineup. I'm going to be boosting him up my ranks. I'm going to probably try to get him in the top 15, 16 last couple of weeks, you know, dealing with the injuries, not looking healthy. I know he's been a little bit closer to the wide receiver two line than the wide receiver one line. I think Michael Gallup should again be, you know, prioritized as a wide receiver three that you should feel good about starting last four games, 10 targets, eight targets, nine and nine would have been over hundred yards last week without a holding penalty that nullified a nice 46 yard bomb. So he continues to make really a couple handful of great plays every single week. You know, if you're just a casual fan watching Cowboys games, I'm sure you're hoping that Gallup could make his way to your squad next year. I think whatever team he does end up playing on 2022 will be better because of him and and finally, Dalton Schultz did ball out against the Giants last time, but that was with Gallup out of the picture. And Dwayne, as we said all year, Schultz, when all three of these receivers are healthy, he's someone that's much more in that kind of borderline tight end one tier as opposed to someone that like we're actively moving ahead up into the top six, top seven. So I'm fine. I think, I think the big yeah. advantage right now with Dallas, even those, you know, Dak's obviously trying to work through some issues for the passing game is just that they don't want to overload Zeke, <laughs> you know, so they kind of have to pass first by nature now um, because, you know, Corey Clement came in and really finished that game off for Zeke last week. But if you noticed early in the game, it really was more of the passing game and, you know, Dak did make some mistakes, but I think that is enough to help kind of help all of these different weapons. Um, because I think if Zeke was fully healthy and the offensive line was the way it was early in the year, like in these games like this, like you would see Dallas 50% pass 50% run. Yeah. But now you're going to get a game where they lead the whole time and you still could see them drop back to pass 60, 65% of the time because they're having to try to nurse Zeke through Pollard's hurt to get to the playoffs and hopefully have those guys ready. So no Schultz, he's not in the Gronk tier or anything like that. But to Dwayne's point, this is a pass-happy offense. And, you know, similar to someone like Dawson Knox, if we have a full-time player in a pass-happy offense, you know, that we also, quite frankly, expect to put up points more weeks than not. Again, 27.75 game uh, implied total. That's a, an awfully high mark on the week. Schultz, I do think, deserves to, you know, win those tiebreakers. If it's two guys that you can't pick between, it's just so tough. You can't do it. You know, your fantasy analyst won't listen to your reply on Twitter, whatever the issue is. Pick the guy in the best offense, and I think that'll work the majority of the time. Dwayne, on the Giants, it's looking like Daniel Jones is going to be out another week with this neck issue, which means we'll have Mike Glennon under center again. Who knows what's going on with these receivers? At least we have another RB1 performance by Saquon Barkley. Yeah, he needed some garbage time to get there, but all the points count the same, Dwayne. It was a cool play. 
Oh yeah. To, to, to burn somebody on the outside, you know, on a sluggo route, like for a touchdown wide open, I'll take that. But yeah, with Barkley, um, you know, I didn't mention, you know, on our recap show. So just to kind of clarify for everybody, there were some concerns because we had seen his snaps drop from 75% to 54% um, with Devonta Booker out there playing more. So I went back and really broke it down. Um, Barkley handled 69% of the snaps and 88% nice. of the rushing attempts through the first three quarters. Then once they were down by 10 or more points um, and really it was in the fourth quarter of the game where Booker just saw all of that additional work. So I really do think it was just a situation where they're trying to keep Barkley fresh, be not that they're going to playoffs or anything, but just trying to be mindful with a guy that's been hurt a lot. You know, he's in his contract year. So if the cap, if the Cowboys, you know, are in a situation where they somehow allow the giants to stay close in this game, it could be a solid spot, you know, for Barkley. Now I will say the Cowboys do run quite a bit of man coverage, which typically is not the best thing for opposing running backs. So when you look at Dallas, as far as man coverage goes, they rank, they run the fifth most just below new England, slightly more than the Buffalo bills. Um, but again, it's 38%. The number one team is, is Miami at 47%. So you just kind of got to, you got to keep these things in mind. And again, it does depend on game strip. The closer the game is and the tighter things are, the more man you're going to see. The more that they get ahead, the more you'll see them actually use some more zone, just keep everything in front of them. So all these things can be a bit of a, of a moving target. So I just kind of throw that out there because um, I know you guys like hearing about these, these data points, but just kind of giving you some caveats to go with them. Um, but as far as Barkley goes, I've got him inside. Uh, I've got him in my tier three this weekend, Ian. He'll be inside my top 15 backs. Um, the Giants just need to keep the game closed. The 10 and a half point dog thing is kind of scary, but luckily for Barkley, like he does really handle most of the passing down work last week. We did see Booker handle most of those two minute snaps, but those part of that was because it was just really later in the game when they finally went to the two minute offense the week before we saw Barkley handle 100% of the two minute offense, 64% of the long down and distance. So I really do think Barkley is still the every down back, but the Giants have to keep the game close enough to where they're not just like, okay, let's just get Barkley out of there. That's really the main risk you're going to, you're going to run with, Saquon, you know, this weekend, other than the fact that the Giants just could, could be, you know, totally ineffective. Like we've seen as far as the receivers go, I'll keep it super fast. I got two guys uh, inside my top 50 and I could, I'm thinking about moving Shepard up a little bit in just because of this man coverage stuff that Dallas likes to run. And if they somehow make it into a game, which would then mean Shepard would have value, like theoretically, like I think he is the player that you want to look at last week. He had 80% of the routes in his first game back. Wasn't a great day at the office for Sterling Shepard. He finished as wide receiver 65, but if I had to pick a giant receiver, it would be him. Yeah. If you look at it on the season in 43% targets per route run for Sterling Shepard. So he is by far <laughs> the most targeted giant in man coverage situations. So if you're going to make a bet on this game and put a chip down on it and say, I'm going to use these Dallas players and I want to bring back player. If you're doing DFS, I think Shepard is the player because he's the one that's most likely to need to perform early in the game when the Cowboys are running their man coverage to keep the game close. And then if it continues to stay that way, I think he will continue to be the target of whoever is the giants quarterback for the week, whether that be Mike Lennon or Daniel Jones. And we just note that when we did our waiver pod and listed Kadarius Tony as I believe the fourth best yeah. wide receiver to get, we found out shortly after that he got put on the COVID list. So kindly disregard that, if you will. Cardinals at the Lions, Arizona, 13 and a half point fave. Game total, 47 and a half. Dwayne Kyler, overall QB1, yeah? Yeah, I have him as QB1. I got, sure. I got him at QB1, Allen at QB2, Brady at QB3. That's my tier one. I'm going to move Brady above Allen until we hear about the leg, but he's in tier one. Cardinals implied for a week high, 30.5 points. Kyler is healthy. And when he is healthy, he really is 
arguably the greatest fantasy quarterback we've seen. Like that's what it was in 2020. That was the allure of going back to Kyler as the potential overall QB one this year before he suffered that shoulder injury in 2020, more fantasy points per game than even 2019 Lamar Jackson, who's the best to ever do it over the course of an entire season, at least in terms of fantasy points. So last two weeks, Kyler had the two touchdowns against the bears on the ground. And then Monday night, 61 yards through, you know, just didn't find the end zone. They had a couple turnovers near the goal line. Uh, got a little bit unlucky, but I mean, for his floor to be, you know, a QB 13 and a game where he still threw for all these yards and racked up 60 on the ground and, you know, continue to just look awesome. I mean, that throw that he hit AJ Green with where it looked like he was just going to go out of bounds. Absolutely ridiculous stuff. So number one in the NFL and big time throw away at 9%, six in turnover worthy play rate. But before last night, he was also first in that. Uh, yeah. Good luck covering this dude, uh, Detroit. I also want to say one of the funniest uh, videos I saw on Twitter today was someone dubbed over like Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob, his like pity pattering noise on a Kyler run. And I just can never like hear Kyler run the same way after that one. Uh, I've also heard someone say over the years that Kyler scrambles like he's an angry toddler. I cannot get enough of these uh, Kyler Murray metaphors, but he is very fun to watch play football and uh, inside a dome. You can only imagine that he will be even tougher to contain. DeAndre Hopkins is getting an MRI on his knee. Monitor that. And if he somehow misses it, man, credit to AJ Green for looking, I thought, best game of the year yesterday. Now, this was against the Rams secondary. I did not have Jalen Ramsey. I mean, it was pretty clear AJ Green was going up against some guys that probably shouldn't have been, you know, players starting on an actual um and an actual NFL secondary. Still hasn't scored since week six. And I would just point out in the last four games, yeah, he looked good last week, but we also have uh, two separate one catch performances in the last four games. So Dwayne, it's just a situation all year where Hopkins doesn't have a hundred yard game. He doesn't have a game with double digit targets. Christian Kirk's been on and off. Rondale's on and off. Like they spread it around to everyone. Zach Ertz. Now we got James Connor catching nine passes in a week. So yeah, if Hopkins is out, we'll bump up Kirk. We'll bump up AJ Green and stuff. But I don't think any of these guys become like these must start options. Like neither Kirk nor AJ Green would be in my top 24, even if Hopkins uh, is out in this game. Yeah, we'll give them some bumps, but we also got to wonder, look what happened two weeks ago when they were playing the Bears and able to just really destroyed them from start to finish. Didn't feel the need to keep their foot on the gas. And they really just ran James Conner uh, to their heart's desire. So obviously starting Hopkins, if he's healthy enough to play. Otherwise, remember, it's going to be A.J. Green, Wesley, and Kirk and three wide receiver sets. Unfortunately, the Rondale usage just is not there, hopefully in 2022. Zach Ertz, low end, tight end one. He's been top 14 in five of seven games with the Cardinals. You can certainly imagine that he could find the end zone this week, but he continues to be grouped in with all those guys at the borderline because of those same volume concerns. I guess the real question is what to do with James Conner. I think the answer is to continue starting him because this is just prime game. Even if Chase Edmonds hadn't been hurt for the last five, six weeks, I think we'd be looking at this saying this is a James Conner game. And honestly, Dwayne, he's playing so well. I think it'd be kind of ridiculous to take away the starting job at this point. Evans can come in and do his thing, but I can see it going much more 60, 70, you know, to 70%. I, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be 50, 50. Like, after what he did last night, especially in the receiving game, like I just, you know, and James Conner, I just want to give you a shout out. Shout out. I love you. That last field goal <laughs> from Prater put my opponent up by 0. 0.10. That junk last second dump down to Connor Ian gave me the $1,500 win. So thank you, James Connor. Let's you. go. I told you you get there, Dwayne. I told you, uh, man. 
Yeah. Yeah. You tell me I would get there. So just had to let you know I made it. Um, as far as you know, you want me to jump in the lions here? Uh, real quick, James Conner, just since Edmonds got benched RB one or not benched, got hurt. Excuse me. RB one, RB 16, RB seven, RB 12. And on Monday night, the RB two Dwayne, to your point, like the Edmonds is a great you receiver. Just said James Conner, badass. Like that would have been so much shorter. <laughs> That's fair, but you have Evans out there for the receiving, but when Connor is giving you a dope one-handed catch every week and just looking great out there, yeah, I don't know how you can really take him off the field. So Connor, even if, you know, we're ranking him closer to the RB1 borderline than we have in past weeks, if Edmonds returns, he is someone that should be in fantasy lineups of all shapes and sizes. I would really try to No way he's outside the top 24, even if we think Edmonds is back. And even if Kingsbury came out, even if Kingsbury came out and said, Edmonds is going to get his old rollback. Like there's no way you, even in that, even in that circumstance, we wouldn't have Connor outside the top 24. I mean, I'm not starting, even if Evans comes back, I'm starting Connor over James Robinson. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Edmonds try to avoid starting him this week. Again, we think it's probably going to be Connor and Edmonds, you know, before, like he wasn't getting the goal line touches. We're on Dale Moore, you know, starting to get some of those targets that Edmonds was seeing wait a week on trying to trust Edmonds with any level of confidence. Now, over to you, Dwayne. Arguably, without Hawkinson, the most disgusting fantasy situation in the league. Go off, King. I, I really appreciate this. Jaguars, then Giants, then Lions. I got the Jets I, next. Whatever. I man. have to pat myself on the back. I'm still awake. So um, <laughs> that's because you're entertaining me. Um, yeah, I'll keep it again. I'll keep this one quick. Hawkinson, just keep an eye on it. You know, he missed last week with the hand injury. But if he is back, he'll be in the top 10 tight ends. Um, you know, nothing else really to say. There's not an easy matchup. This guy, man, has had a brutal schedule. It's kind of like the way the the Broncos running backs early in the season, like they couldn't catch a break as far as the schedule. Hawkinson's tight end schedule has been brutal. So I would not be surprised to see him actually even come out and improve again next year. There's no way somebody can have a schedule every week. He's, he's, he's the red lights on the Christmas tree. Ian, like he's, he always gets the red lights. His green green lights are all out. Like he needs to get a new strand of lights. Um, So as far as Hawkinson though, he'll still be in the top 10 as long as he's healthy and ready to go. Um, But the next player I do want to talk about really quick because I dug into him more um, just because of, you know, the finishes over the last couple of weeks is really Amon Ra St. Brown. Um, If you look at him, here's the nice, Nice thing with him, Ian, he's actually not just playing in the slot anymore. So it's kind of similar to what we talked about with um, Hunter Renfro, which I know we'll talk about more, you know, um, later. Actually, we already hit it. But 88% of the routes, um, he was out there 98% the week before. But the key being is he's, he's playing only 54% of the routes over the last three weeks from the slot. So that's a really positive development for him because that opens the door to whenever they run 12, 21, because you know, the lions, you know, they lead so much. They get to use these other formations besides 11 personnel so often, but, but the bottom line is it's nice to see that he's getting to play Z and slot. And so that, that keeps him on the field that helps insulate things. It's not a great offense, but if we look at his target shares over the last couple of weeks, in 32% and 31% targets per route run, 37, uh, 27% and 30%. Um, if you look at him on third and fourth down, that's the guy Goff's looking for um, over these last couple of games. So um, not, not a receiver like that you're just looking for these huge games from, but I think you can look at him as a high-end wide receiver th- four, low-end wide receiver three. If we were still in bye weeks, like he'd easily be a wide receiver three. Yeah. Right now he's borderline wide receiver three just because of all the other options that are sitting there. So it is a situation, though, where I do think he continues to be probably the lead target. I mean, we've seen the Lions fool us a couple of times, but 
it's been rare that we've actually seen someone do it a couple times in a row. I do think Hawkinson being out helps funnel things a little bit to him. And then also DeAndre Swift being out of the passing game is the other component. So those two things together probably also have something to do with the additional catches for Amon Ra, St. Brown. Um, but a guy I wanted to shout out because I know a lot of folks liked him in Dynasty heading into this season. As far as the backfield goes, um, we'll see if we get Jamal Williams back. Um, my guess is that we will based on the news that we've read, but we'll just have to keep an eye on it. If he is back, even then though, Ian, just because we have seen Godwin Igwebuki is keeping this passing down role. Last week he had it, the week before with Jamal Williams he had it, and the other option is we get, we get DeAndre Swift back. So I think the days of thinking that, oh, it's Jamal Williams, it's all his backfield, like we've seen enough data points now to just know that's not going to be the case. So really Jamal Williams is in a slightly expanded role from what we saw early in the season if Swift is out, but it's just not really a great matchup. They're 13 and a half point dogs against Arizona, implied points of 17 points. Honestly, it's a situation I want to stay away from him. I've got him in the RB3, even if we hear Swift is out. Like I don't, there's no way he'll even be in the RB2 conversation for me this week. Jamal Williams. Cannot put him in the top 24. And Dwayne, when you're, uh, you know, you're in sheets all red, like the tree's on fire, man. Like, I don't think they're lights. Like the thing is just <laughs> yeah, literally like, on fire. Yeah, it's like national lampoons. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the whole thing just went up in flames. Jets Hopefully the at, cat wasn't in there. <laughs> oh my God. Getting dark now. Jets at the Dolphins, Miami, eight and a half point favorites. Game total at 42 and a half. As we talked about on the waiver pod, go get Michael Carter, not for this spot, but for his week 16 home matchup against the Jaguars. If he is not ready to return from IR with the ankle, it'll be a combination of Ty Johnson, Michael Piron, and Austin Walter. We do not want to touch that group. Also a chance that Tevin Coleman comes back with the concussion. So the only somewhat consistent takeover we've seen from this backfield was Michael Carter. I'm not convinced he's getting that in his first game back. Maybe he won't even get in week 16, but he is someone that at least would be in the committee and would be usable in that spot. Just please try to find someone else this week. I think Carter would probably be the top guy if he's back, but you know, probably right there around the Jamal Williams range. Not a recommended start, maybe still an RB3. Uh, can't use these wide receivers or tight ends. Jameson Crowder will be probably the only guy I have ranked inside the top 50. Yet, you know, we have Braxton Berrios emerging as the lead target getter and producer last week. Just real Realized Crowder literally doubled up Barrios' snaps. Um, J- Barrios, does he have a serial deal yet? That just makes too much sense. But um, Keelan Cole, the other full time receiver, Crowder. But then they have, as a total, they have six wide receivers they rotate and multiple tight ends in just a horrific passing game. And I was able to kind of help quantify, I think, what we see from Zach Wilson a lot to share how it causes problems. It's that the easy stuff is hard, man. So if you look at quarterbacks targeting their first read and they're targeting a first read that is considered open by PFF Wilson 30th among 33 qualified QBs in PFF passing grade 32nd in QB rating 28th in yards per attempt and dead ass last in adjusted completion rate. So, you know, I see the alert sometimes that Titans game early this year, best game Wilson played made numerous great throws downfield. I, mean, I thought that performance was better than any single game. Trevor Lawrence has had the problem is just so much of this easy stuff has continued to be hard. Hopefully he can get that fixed into 2022 and beyond. Cause Lord knows we could use some better quarterback play from this rookie class. So that's going to wrap up the jets. Dwayne, we got a COVID induced dolphins running back room. Maybe just maybe Duke Johnson gets there. I doubt it though. I think at the end of the day, we're looking at a passing game that has the good matchup and Lord knows they have enough volume. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to see what happens like with the backfield. There's a chance like, so uh, Philip Lindsay, Miles Gaskin, and Salvin Ackman are all vaccinated, right? So okay. there's an opportunity if they can get the two negative tests, right? 
24 hours apart. Um, there's, there's an opportunity to get those players back. So we'll have to wait and see, but, um, until then, yeah, I guess right now, and I'm not, I'm not putting Duke Johnson or anybody like that in my ranks yet. I'm just, this is one of those situations where I'm just kind of letting it play out. My assumption is that Gaskin is actually going to be available for the game. Yeah. And if he is, he's in a great spot. Um, if you look at the running back strength of schedule, it's an eight and a half out of 10 this week, 35.5 points giving up, given up per game, you know, by the New York jets to opposing backs and PPR scoring format. And then if you look at the jets on a standpoint of just regulation attempts allowed per game, second most in the league, 29.2, that's, um, you know, it's a lot 30.8 over the last six game, which is fourth best in the league. So really it's a, it's a, it's a potential smash spot for miles Gaskin who really has from a utilization perspective, pretty much taken over the backfield over the last several weeks. Um, you know, it hasn't always been perfect. He hasn't always come through, but this is a spot where I think that Gaskin really could come through in a big way. And if we hear that he is fully cleared and he's ready to rock, he will for sure be inside my top 24 right now. Actually, right now I've already got him. I've got him at the bottom of tier three Ian. So that's my RB 19. Yeah, I've I'll got like him that. one behind James Conner, two behind Aaron Jones, uh, three behind Corderell Patterson. So right there in that range, you know, again, I've got to tighten these down. They're not all the way done, but I feel good about Gaskin. Um, as far as the passing attack goes, Tua has got a nice matchup as well. Nine and a half out of 10 on the PFF quarterback strength of schedule. So that's good. But even against the Jets, it's a negative offensive line pass blocking advantage. So we'll call it pass blocking disadvantage in this case, because I, what was your cool stat you had the other day, Ian? Not to this is all hard. Yeah, the, yeah. So we have data. We have data going back 2006. Team pass blocking grades. The only single team in a year pass blocking grade was the 2019 Dolphins. Than what the 2021 group currently has. So you know, Tua hasn't always been pretty. I know they're running an RPO like every other play, but based on that group they have at the line of scrimmage, I think he's probably performed about as well as you could hope. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a tough situation in the past walking, but it is the jets. So there, there's <laughs> going to be opportunity. I do like Jalen model. I do like Devonta Parker. Oh yeah. We'll just uh, say uh, two. I've gotten tier five. I got him at the top of tier five. So he, once you get past like my, um, so my fourth tier this week is Justin Fields, Kirk cousins and Taysom and Taysom Hill. Um, again, we've got everybody back. So, I mean, either way I look at those guys, they're all low in QB ones this week, even though they'll look like they may rank slightly lower than that. Um, you know, we've just got several quarterbacks in spots where they can be QB one performances this week. So I've got two just on the other side of that. He really starts the QB two territory, but he's, he's towards the top of it due to the matchup. And so that bleeds over into Jalen Waddle as well as Devonta Parker, who we got back before the bye week. But as far as Waddle goes, we've got a wide receiver cornerback matchup of 91.1. That tells you a few things. One, in order for your number to start moving up like that, Ian, that means you have to have performed. And so Jalen Waddle to this point, you know, has put enough on tape that within the PFF grades and the way that we work these wide receiver cornerback matchups, he's looking really good against a lot of different matchups, but this is a particularly good looking spot for him. He has a top 10 uh, score on the week there. Wide receiver strength is scheduled 7.4 out of 10. So that's going to be in the top 10 as well. Um, you know, it could be a situation again where we see the Dolphins run the ball a little bit more. I do like Miles Gaskin still, but remember Miami is a pass first team all this year. They pass the ball more than the NFL average, whether they're trailing, whether they're close, whether they're leading, they're above the NFL average and all those spots. And Jalen Waddle, you know, kind of back to a comment you made um, on the matchup you know, or actually I think it was on our, uh, on our recap show earlier this week was just really just about, you know, really augmenting, you know, the, the running game, some of these teams with these short passes. And let's be honest, that's been part of what Jalen Waddle has been doing. A lot of these, and he's been getting more run after the catcher late lately, but a lot of these little quick short passes underneath 
those are just, those are replacing running plays. And so some of these games where you see the Dolphins have 15, 16, seven rushes, and you see Jalen Waddle have four or five catches, you know, within two or three yards of the line of scrimmage, those are basically run plays. That, that adds up to like 22, 23, 24 rushing plays when it all comes together. Then you have Devontae Parker. Um, so I've got Parker down in my tier six, you know, which I've got, you know, 12 receivers in right now, but he's just out, he's outside of my top 36. So he's not in my top, you know, again, everybody back this week with all the teams playing, but he's in that 40 range. Like he would it surprise me though, if Parker came up with a game where he finishes, you know, in the top 36 and we know that he has the upside if he scores a couple of touchdowns, he could come through as well. And we have seen Tua go his way in the past. We've actually seen games where he's heavily targeted, targeted Devonta Parker. So without Will Fuller coming back, there is a chance for Parker. As far as Mike Kosecki goes this weekend, you know, the big thing with him, Utilization has remained great. You know, he started to come back around a little bit. I know he had a lull there after having a big boom in the middle of the season, but it's a really nice spot. Tight end strength schedule, 7.6 out of 10. His tight end matchups of 38, and that's going to be like the fourth best on the slate this week behind Rob Gronkowski and George Kittle. So that's a good spot for Gusecki. 14.9 points given up per game by the Jets, two opposing tight ends. So this is a week where you're going to be able to use most of your Dolphins players um, if you have any of those on your roster. Bengals at the Broncos. Denver sitting as a one and a half point favorite. That kind of surprised me when I saw it. Game total sitting at 43 and a half. I know the Bengals have lost two straight, but really in just uh, as a whole in the year, you know, we saw Burrow come back early on. They really weren't asking him to do much. He maybe didn't look that impressive. He had the Bears game. I think he got picked off on three straight passes. But overall in the year now, I mean, we are seeing him take a real nice second year leap. Big time throw rate has gone from 3.6% as a rookie to 6.5% yards per attempt up to 8.4 from 6.5 adjusted completion rates 77.2 percent after finishing last year under 72 percent and also reducing his turnover worthy play rate all the while long so you know arm strength isn't exactly his huge forte we had the urban Meyer quote from you know when they were at ohio state together urban just kind of calling him baby arm and asking if he could like out throw high schoolers whatever the hell the exact verbiage was i know that you know urban meyer everything he's done isn't exactly aging well these days but you know it is just it's a reality you know when you look at herbert and burrow one guy can throw the ball over the mountains the other guy needs to be more anticipatory but he is doing that and i think you can really see burrow's excellence you know his mental side of the game shine through when they're facing the blitz where he only trails Kyler Murray and PFF passing grade and he averages 11 yards per attempt which is best in the league against the blitz Broncos do blitz at the 10th highest rate in the league so I wonder man I know it's a great defense Vic Fangio has these guys always well coached their top eight in fantasy points per game against quarterbacks running backs wide receivers and tight ends alike but I think when Burrow is at his best they can beat a great defense even like this so you know I wouldn't call myself the world's best better but I do like the Bengals money line in this one because I just think Burrow versus Teddy is enough of a lean in uh, Burrow's uh, direction to make me go there. Would note that last week, just the second time all year that T. Higgins and Jamar Chase both finished in the top 24 uh, of the wide receiver position, full PPR scoring. Dwayne, I know you brought that up kind of halfway through the year about the inability to do that. And we continue to see them never have this game where both of them and Tyler Boyd can get going. So they have never been both top 12 together in a week. It's just one of these situations where, yeah, if the, if the Bengals are willing to use a faster pace, be a little bit more pass heavy, I think that would help them both out. But as it is, it's more of a 1A, 1B situation. And we've got to realize that, you know, when Higgins has a great week, it's probably going to be a little bit tougher for Chase to do so as well, unless the Bengals are able to get in one of these shootouts. So 
Keep in mind, we're still starting them, but it could be a higher ceiling in the future with a little bit better coaching. And by that, I just mean let your best players touch the ball more often. Final point, Joe Mixon, RB9 in PPR points per game. PFF projections do only have him as the RB16 this week due to those pass game issues, which is fair. But again, this is a Bengals offense that we know can put up points on just about anyone. And Mixon, to his credit, man, I just think has been good enough as a rusher to still earn auto start treatment, even if you want to rank him a little bit lower than usual. Overall, only Jonathan Taylor, A.J. Dillon, and Tony Pollard have a higher PFF rushing grade than Mixon this year. Again, I get it. If you don't want to have them in your top 12, that's fine. Samaje Piran is a lot bigger threat than a lot of people realize to his pass down work. But I still think, man, it's a it's Joe Mixon. We're looking at worst case, what, 18 combined carries and targets. Like there's just so much volume here that it's really tough for Mixon to bust. No, it's not the top five, three down roll that we had a little bit earlier in the year before he got hurt. Still an awfully fancy friendly role that we should continue to get behind. Now, Dwayne with the Broncos. Javante and Melvin, man, both balled out last week. We still can still continue to see the split usage. Where do you have them ranked right now? Because yeah, we saw what happened last week when they're both going to score two touchdowns. It's not going to be a problem, but with no buys and everything, were you able to still squeeze them in the top 24? Or are we kind of looking at more like touchdown dependent RB threes? I've got Javante at the bottom, you know, of, well, they're both in tier four, right? Okay. So again, this is a tier of players that's got 10, 10 guys in it. And you've got a lot of you've got a lot of split backfield type situations going on in this tier. So Javonta Williams is in the tier, Melvin Gordon's in the tier, Clyde Edwards Alaire is in the tier, uh, Michael Carter is tentatively in the tier. We'll have to hear what's going on with that. Um, Miles Sanders is at the bottom of this tier. AJ Dillon's in the tier. Rashad okay. Penny's in the That's tier. That's about so right. It's yeah, it's a group of all these guys. Um, but Javonta I have at the top, right? Just because of what we've seen, and I have Melvin Gordon towards the top as well. I know everyone wants to to, to bury Melvin, but I mean, when we look at it, the coaching staff has shown us over the last couple of games. I think the new their new idea of the way they want to use these two guys. It's still a split backfield, just like it was early in the year, but it's a little bit different now. Now the rushing attempts, you know, primarily are going. I want to say primarily, but the you know. Melvin Gordon's leading in the rushing department, right? So 52% and 60% in his last two games. And in those games, you had Javante get 42% and 38% of the rushing attempts. But Javante has really taken on more of the passing down role, which I think does kind of insulate him a little bit more, no matter what happens with the game script. And this is a game where the Bengals could jump out on them, Ian, and we could see Javante see the field a little bit more. Then what we're seeing with Melvin Gordon last week, it was a game where obviously it was a lead from beginning to end. I did go look at it by quarter though. And there was never a point where Javante got ahead of Melvin Gordon. It wasn't like Melvin Gordon just piled up a bunch of stats in the last quarter. It was the whole game. The first quarter he outtouched Javante Williams as well, but I do think that's the way they see it. Melvin Gordon, probably handling, you know, about half of the rushing attempts, you know, maybe a little bit more Javante handling, you know, 35, 45% of those, but being more involved on the passing down. So I think they both have a path. Um, but again, this get, this one gets a little, trickier the running back strength of schedule solid an 8.3 out of 10 which is going to be in the top five on the slate um the Bengals are giving up 24.8 points per game to opposing running backs they're not giving up a lot of rushing attempts um so it's been more on efficiency they've just really struggled to hold down you know the backs on the few attempts they're getting but the Bengals have done a pretty good job of getting into scripts where they lead so part of that is what kind of drives down the opposing touches um to the other backfield but that does again point back to Javonta Williams You know, and again, those are rushing attempts, not all touches for running backs whenever I talk about the Bengals holding other teams down. So that's why I, I did move Javonta ahead of Melvin Gordon.
Gordon. I know most people just rank Javante Williams automatically ahead of Melvin Gordon every week. There's actually a reason that you're going to see him higher in my ranks because I think there's a chance of a, of a trailing game script here um, for the Broncos. Um, I'm kind of like you. I was a little surprised when I saw the line. Um, as far as the passing options, um, you know, there's Teddy Bridgewater. Um, we're not going to play him. Ian, um, he's captain check down, leads the league in check down rate oh. on the season at 11%. We do appreciate oh. you, Teddy. Um, you know, I know Ian, you like to talk about the big time throws like Teddy Bridgewater doesn't make big time throws. Never just never really has over the last three years his his average is 3%, 3%, 3%. So, you know, Teddy kind of is what he is and turnover worthy plays. Guess what? He's also not that great at that because it's basically easy, even with his big time uh, throws, you'd, you'd like to see like a plus, like with your big time throws versus your turnover worthy. Yeah. Um, so these numbers aren't high compared to the NFL, but when you aren't making a bunch of big throws, it's not like you're really offsetting 3.4, 3.2, 2.1%, you know, over the last three years this year, sorry, I did that weird. He's 3.2% this year. So with Teddy, not a player that's really that interested in throwing in, guess what? If you're not willing to make a turnover worthy play, you're also not willing to throw the ball down the field to someone named Cortland Sutton. You're also probably not willing to throw the ball to Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy is really the only guy in that we can even think about starting. And it's mostly because he runs underneath. He gets the slot coverage, you know, he gets the free, you know, releases and he operates at the level of the field as far as ADOT goes, where I think Teddy Bridgewater is really the most comfortable if he's going to throw the ball to someone besides his running back. So, but even then, like with Jerry Judy, I've got him in my tier six. Um, so I've got him at wide receiver 41 this week. It's not like I'm super excited about him. Cortland Sutton's closer down to wide receiver 50. I just, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Ian. Like, I, I still believe the, the talent is there for Sutton. I still believe he could come through with a big game. But mostly these guys are all just canceling each other out. I can't tell you if, if one of them is going to come through with a game. I don't know which one it's going to be. Um, I think, again, Judy's the one that's most likely. Um, Noah Fant outside of my top 15 uh, tight ends. And that's a shame, too. I mean, this is a first-round tight end, and we can't even get him into fantasy lineups. He's wearing a dark visor. Like, he's trying, man. Look good, feel <laughs> good, trying. play good. He is. He's trying. <laughs> Noah Fant gets that. But, yeah, Corlin Sutton, fifth on his own team and targets when Jerry Judy has been active. And that's the thing with Judy, man. Like, I'm, I know he had that horrific week one injury. Maybe he's not at 100%. I know you've talked about the good metrics. He's getting open and everything, but to see Teddy lean on Judy, like if we would have had these stats saying like, Hey, when all these guys are together, Jerry Judy is going to be like by far the featured number one option in Denver. I think he might've been like a wide receiver too, in terms of like what, where he probably would have ranked him before the season, but to see him not have a touchdown, not even get yeah. 80 yards. Like Teddy can't even enable the perfect wide receiver for him to anything. He keeps eyeing your top 40, man. Like what the hell Teddy? And he got, he gave us three top 24 receivers last year. So it, it's just awfully. Yeah, listen to Sutton's fantasy points. You want to hear barf? Like, so this is since week oh, eight. Oh no. So this is since Jerry Judy has been back 6.0, 1.9. 4.9, 3.7, 3.5, 1. 1.9. We haven't broken six points. <laughs> it's just like it. Wow. It's unbelievable, really. That's unbelievable for a player like Cortland Sutton. That's crazy. Falcons at the 49ers, San Fran, eight and a half point favorites. Game total at 46. 
like I was saying before, this Titans offense just being horrific. Uh, you can put the Falcons in that exact same conversation. 26 in the EPA per play this year, only ahead of the Bears, Lions, Panthers, Jets, Jaguars, and Texans. Not exactly great company to be with. And I think that while we have seen Cordero Patterson really overcome this throughout the year, 10 touchdowns, you know, offensive player of the year, whatever you want to give him, just best player alive, you know, whatever your cup of tea is with uh, the encouragement there. We have seen his usage start to change ever since he came back from that ankle injury because he had only had double digit carries twice before the injury. Like he was having these bonkers games as a receiver. We remember the three touchdown performance and he was really just going, going off as a receiver. It was almost like anti kind of Debo Samuel stuff that's happened here because ever since he's come back, 16 carries, 13 carries, 16 carries, and he hasn't even cleared 30 receiving yards. He only has 13 combined targets over the past three weeks. So he's getting his touches, but I think more than ever, we can slide him down the RB2 pipeline because the real lure of him earlier on in the year was him being this kind of hybrid RB wide receiver that was just getting fed the ball in the passing game. I mean, Austin Eckler right now is number one in PPR points per game from purely receiving production among running backs, but that was Patterson during the first half of the year and he just hasn't been that guy pal in recent weeks so he's made up for it he's scoring touchdowns he's been the rb4 rb21 rb17 over the last three weeks but again those latter two uh, numbers 21 17 i think he should probably be a little bit closer to that area as opposed to the top 12 guy that you know we were treating him as for at least a part of this season russell gage we said it top waiver wide receiver ad of the week and give him a little bit of slack for last week, four catches, 64 yards while having to deal with shadow coverage from Stefan Gilmore. So 49ers, a cornerback room, all sorts of banged up. And we have seen, you know, similar to what you were saying about Amon Ross St. Brown, like, yeah, we've seen some duds over the year. It is a bad offense. We're going to see that happen, but Gage has had enough consistency in recent weeks to earn wide receiver three, maybe just, you know, high end wide receiver four treatment, depending on how things shake out with the buy. And finally, Kyle Pitts, tight end nine last week, first time since week seven that he finished inside the top 10. Still, we cannot get him up into the top five, top six like we hoped. He's still someone that if you have him in the squad, you know, go ahead, start him. He still continues to have, have the targets and have mostly the production that you would expect from a low-end tight end one. Obviously, we were hoping it could be a bit more than a low-end tight end one, but hopefully we'll start seeing that more in 2022. Now, Dwayne, with the 49ers, got some injuries to worry about. Elijah Mitchell, you know, did not practice at all last week, so it's not guaranteed that he's back by any stretch. I think the bigger kind of question is what to make of Debo Samuel, because we've seen this coming on, man. And, hey, Debo's a great player. He keeps rushing for a touchdown pretty much every damn week. But that target share that made him a freaking stud early on in the year, that's gone. Yeah. Yeah. We can't, we can't continue to depend on these rushing touchdowns from Samuel. And they're not just like, you know, three yarders, like some of them are pretty long. So we know that regression is eventually going to catch up. Like we talked about that with Mixon, right. When he was having those multiple touchdown games, you know, back to back to back, and he's getting way more utilization than Debo Samuel. And we expected regression with Mixon. So with Samuel, it's coming. And if you look at him, you know, um, this past week, only 3% of the targets, if you look at him over the last three games that he's been fully healthy. So get rid of the game where he got knocked out at the end with the growing injury, um, only an 8% target share in those three games. So it's very problematic over those same three games. He has handled 21% of the design rushing attempts. So again, think if I told you, I've got a player that I'm going to let you insert into your starting lineup, Ian. He's getting 20% of the team's rushing attempts, and he's getting 8% of the targets. How interested are you? I don't love it, Dwayne. I don't love it. Yeah, you don't love it. Most... <laughs> 
players that have that utilization, you, you don't not love, you despise them. You release them. Like now, look, we're not telling you to do that. Debo is an awesome player. Who knows? Maybe they're man, maybe they've been managing that, that growing injury goes back to the beginning of the year. Right. And so who knows if that's something they've been trying to manage or if it's just, look, you know, we know we've got IU going Kittle's fully healthy Kittle's beasting. So we're just finding a way to manufacture touches for Debo Samuel. But the issue is before in the season, anytime this team faces them, Debo was the target monster. We're talking up in the, the mid 30% range targets per route run and against man, he would fall off. And so it was really about in those games, you would see it switch more to Ayuk. And now in those games where they're playing against heavy zone it's George Kittle taking all of the zone targets. So it's kind of like, where is Devo Samuel left? Um, because it is still Ayuk getting the looks against man coverage. And so he's kind of stuck in this no man's land. Ian right now I've got him as my wide receiver 21 Ooh. on the week. That's by far my lowest rank of Debo Samuel. And I don't know that I'll keep him that low, but he's definitely going to remain in my tier three, which has nine players in it. Like, so, you know, it's, he's down here with, uh, I've got him with Marquise Brown. I've got him with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. So he's really in that tier. I mean, I'm looking at him, you know, more as, you know, um, you know, I don't want to call him complete boom bust, but like, you, you know, we need his utilization to go up or he will just become a boom bust player. So I have a couple of tough spots where I'm going to be deciding like, am I starting Debo Samuel and I've got other options. So like Jalen Waddle. Like, would you rather start Jalen Waddle or would you rather start Debo Samuel? I think right now Go today Waddle. I would start Waddle. Yes. Over Debo Samuel. So that's just, that's kind of where we are. Sad thing. And who knows, look, you're going to play Debo Samuel in most formats. Like, so I'm, we're not trying to tell you, look for a way just to get him out of the lineup. I don't want to hear somebody ask me, Hey, Jacoby Myers or Debo Samuel. <laughs> just don't, you don't need to ask me that. <laughs> don't ask me about Debo Samuel, you know, or Jarvis Landry. Well, that's not a good one. Marvin Jones, any of these type players, Van Jefferson. I'm still playing Debo Samuel over all those types of players. I'm probably, I'm still playing Debo Samuel over Michael Pittman, but like, he's just, just lower expectations. He's towards the bottom of my wide receiver two tier four this week. Um, as far as the 40, the rest of the 49ers go, um, since we're on the passing attack, I'll go ahead, hit, go ahead and hit the rest. Like things have been really positive, you know, for Brandon Ayuk. Like we've had all these weeks now over 90% of the routes. He's had wide receiver finishes of 30, 40, and 10. Well, the 10 was actually before yesterday. So he's probably like 12 or 13 after the receivers last night. Anyway, so he's had, you know, he, he's played much better. And like I already said, like he is really the guy that they like to go to against man coverage. But over the last couple of weeks, like he's been targeted much more than Samuel. So 23 percent TP targets per rep run, 20 percent, 24, just pure target rates, 23 percent, 21 percent, 30 percent. Look, it's still an offense, Ian, where any one of these guys could be the one left out because we know the 49ers are also the most run heavy team in the entire NFL. So whenever you reduce the number of opportunities, you're dividing it up against three really good players. One of them is typically going to be left out. We can't always say which one it's going to be. I will tell you most likely right now, the player that it's not going to be is George Kittle. George Kittle is absolutely on fire. If you look at his targets over the last two games, 41% target share in, and he did it again. 41% target share last week, week 14. He has been the number one tight end over the last two games. I think honestly, he's the number one tight end for the rest of the way. If you've got George Kittle in the playoffs, like this is a cheat code type moment. Um, you know, we've been waiting for it all year. He's finally healthy. He's the perfect match in the scheme. We've talked about it before. Lots of play action, lots of mismatches versus tight ends who are having to worry about run fits already. You know, George Kittle can beat these guys one-on-one -on -one if they're expecting pass. Now you make them 
have to decipher, is this a run play or is it a pass play, you know, 50% of the time that they're having to cover him. That's just a problem, you know, so safeties and linebackers are in a really, I feel for, for those guys having to cover George Kill. And Oh, by the way, you think he's running a route and then he'll freaking pancake your ass. So like, he just, it's just, he's a tough draw. Like he really is. He's a very, I'm sure many linebackers and safeties lose sleep over George Kittle every single week. So he is my tight end one this weekend. And he is in a tier by himself. His Ooh. tight end strength of schedule, a 9.1 out of 10. His tight end matchup is a 61, a grade of a 61, which is by far the best on the slate. The next is 40 for Rob Gronkowski. And so there's more than just because Kittle's been hot is more than why he's in this tier one by himself. The other four or the other three, like elite top tight ends, Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, Mark Andrews, um, their tight end strength of schedule is 1.3 out of 10. 2 out of 10, and 1.3 out of 10. So Kittle clearly is at the top um, all by himself this week. So if you are paying up in DFS, like Kittle is the guy that I would want to go get. We'll see what we'll see what Ross Shook projections look like. We got not talking game theory yet, baby. We're not going dorky. Not full-on dork yet. It's only we'll Tuesday. It's only yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. Elijah Mitchell, uh, man, I've, I've got him slotted like he's going to play this week, Ian, you know, just so people can start to get their arms around it. I'll pull him. I'll pull him out. Like if he's not going to play, but man, I, I had to put him in here because it's the freaking Falcons and it's an 8.9 running back strength <laughs> schedule, a 92 offensive line run blocking advantage. That is freaking juicy. It's the number one on the slate um, by 10 points. Um, there's, there's in like, just so you guys kind of know like how rare this is like, the fifth team is like at a 60. So like, it's way up there you get down to like team 10 or 11, you're down in the thirties. So this is like a huge advantage this week for the 49ers against the Falcons in the, in the, in the trenches, trench warfare. Ian. Um, so Elijah Mitchell right now, assuming he plays and that he's going to be ready to rock, I've got him at running back 11, but like, I'll probably move him higher than that. If I know he's going to be full, I'll move him ahead of David Montgomery, probably slide in. I might slide him ahead of Mixon. He's going to be right in there, though. So, I mean, it's going to be tough to not play him. Um, and then all the way full circle back to the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. We've talked about him multiple times. Look, he it's not a pass-heavy offense, but the efficiency can come through for you on any week. We've talked about how the weapons are all looking. He's got everything clicking for him. Um, so, it's a situation where he can easily give you that QB1 finish, you know, on any given week. He could still give you a dud. Like, he could still give you that, that QB24 if it's something where, you know, the 49ers come out and they just jump out to a, to a quick lead and it ends up being a situation where, oh my gosh, well, Jimmy Garoppolo just doesn't have to throw the ball in the second half of the game. That can happen to you, but we've seen it multiple times this year. Garoppolo can come through and he, you know, he's not going to hang with these, with these very top, you know, passing options, you know, that some people are going to be throwing out there, but if you need a prayer, like, you know, Jimmy G's there, you can form a prayer circle, light some candles up, you know, you could do worse things than start Jimmy G. Living on a Jimmy G prayer. Fantasy playoffs are here. Seahawks at the Rams. Rams four point faves. Game total 45 and a half. Give credit to Seahawks 2 and 0 since signing Agent Peterson, officially entering when now mode. Russell Wilson has looked healthier, posted his best PFF passing grades in back to back weeks since returning from injury. So if you have Russ out there, I do think he is back into that QB1 conversation, although he still is a little bit closer to that borderline. I think the more interesting kind of plot is what to make of Rashad Penny. We did get a quote from Pete Carroll, who, as we know, we really can't believe a single word that he said about his players in regards to playing time but for what it's worth carol did say quote unquote i think he deserves a shot to show that to start it out we'll still rotate to keep you guys fresh but yeah we're going to give him a shot again to come right on back and see if we can keep going 
okay, like that's not the most resounding thing I've ever heard. They're going to keep the other guys involved. And unfortunately, the other guys weren't all there last week. Adrian Peterson out with a back, Travis Homer, who's, you know, special teams only. He's flipping into the end zone after taking a fake punt to the house. He was also out with a calf and hamstring injury. So Penny, I think he's earned low end RB2 appeal here in this spot. Maybe he is on that borderline and he does deserve to be the top waiver wire ad of the week. It is worth mentioning that against Aaron Donald company, Seahawks last four matchups, 113, 95, 136, and most recently 92 rushing yards. So we know they want to run the ball. They've had at least some success being able to do it against this group. They want Rashad Payne to be that guy. So we should at least get behind him a little bit. Just realize that we're not going to have that same sort of positive game script they saw against the Texans and Penny doesn't have the pass down rule. So he's definitely someone that's, you know, way closer to a role. He's almost like kind of like a middle-class man's Antonio Gibson. I think would be the comp I would go a with. Middle-class man. Man. There we go. Yep. Not even upper or lower, just straight up middle-class mans. Uh, because, yeah. Cause I mean, it could be a situation where if the Seahawks go down a couple touchdowns in the first half, maybe Penny doesn't even like eclipse 10 combined carries and targets. So there is a floor here, but if they can stay in the game, Penny, we're going to be getting that blue collar low end RB two production. Uh, keep an eye on Jalen Ramsey on the COVID list. But with that said, again, we're starting DK Metcalf. We're starting Tyler Lockett in the heavy majority of fantasy leagues. Remember Metcalf, like we always have this happen where it's, oh, this cornerback owns this wide receiver. Ramsey, even though he has shadowed Metcalf, it's not for every snap of the game. And guess what? DK is good enough to win even in some of these toughest matchups. So before you tell me that you're not starting DK Metcalf because you might see some Jalen Ramsey, realize Metcalf has scored two touchdowns in each of his past two games against the Rams. No, they didn't all come at the hands of Jalen Ramsey, but that's why you don't fade a wide receiver because of a perceived tough cornerback matchup. So it's not ideal. I'm not saying Metcalf is a wide receiver one these days. It's been a long stream of busts. I get it. But with Russ playing better with some negative game script expected here, I do think Metcalf is worthy of still being inside that top 20. Tyler Lockett, maybe the most weird thing that happened with the Seahawks this year is Lockett has emerged as like a consistently viable fantasy option. We're not getting just these ridiculous boom bust streaks. Last four weeks, wide receiver 23, wide receiver 28, wide receiver 11, and wide receiver five. Since he got that full-time starting role in 2018, no wide receiver has a higher QB rating when targeted than Tyler Lockett. Good at the game. And as we brought up on the waiver pod, Gerald Everett, just 62% snaps last week. That was his lowest since his comeback from COVID. Way too much. Will Disley, do not start Everett if you can at all help it. Seriously, do not do it, people. Please do us a favor and don't do it. I know it's a revenge game, but we can't be going down that road in the fantasy playoffs. Dwayne, the Rams, like many teams, have been impacted by COVID. OBJ, three touchdowns his last three games. He is on the COVID list, unfortunately. If he's going to be out of the picture, man, where does Van Jefferson go up to you? Because he's already emerged as a more than viable wide receiver three. Are you starting to maybe get him inside that top 24? Or is this a situation where it's just like, eh, maybe it just hurts the offense a little bit more than anything? No, I think, you know, Van is going to have to move up again. It's just, it's going to be a tough week, right? Just because we've got a full slate of players. I've got him in my fifth tier um, right now, which has got him, Claypool, Brandon Ayuk, and Odell Beckham Jr. and Mike Williams. So like I've got all those guys kind of put there together. I think they can all come through with a big play, right? They could all also blank you because they're in an offense where, you know, there's some, there can be some sort of constraint in every one of those offenses, whether it's just too many other mouths to feed, whether it's a heavy run game and things, you know, can go the wrong way. 
I, I just think that's the tier Jefferson fits into. Like if, if, if Odell Beckham Jr. is out, then yeah, I, I think he deserves a slight bump up the ranks. Like I might make him more of a borderline wide receiver two instead of more like a mid-range wide receiver three where I've got him right now. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, the Rams, like they're like in these intensive, the intensive protocols right now which I think basically like in translation is everyone stay home and just get on the zoom is <laughs> probably what's going on right now with the Rams. I mean, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine more Rams uh, put on the COVID-19 list today. So I'm not noting a lot of defensive players. I'm not noting um, any notable offensive linemen or other, uh, you know, offensive players, Bryson Hopkins, he's out. Um, but you know, you'll, so he's not really a big factor either, but it's just Odell Beckham jr. So it could be a situation though, where it opens things up, you know, if you're missing a lot of these defenders, like, you know, the Rams defense won't be as good. It could actually lead to an even higher scoring environment for the week, but it's definitely a situation we'll have to keep an eye on. And with so many people being added in, like, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow with the Rams. Like we basically got to keep an eye on all these guys. Like if you're in the fantasy playoffs, you know, most teams that have Cooper cup, you know, they're in the fantasy playoffs. So like, that's the big thing. We just want to make sure Cooper cup does not end up on this list. But if we do have, you know, multiple multiple players out, or if we do have Beckham end up being out, that could also open the door for Tyler Higby to move up. Still not going to get him inside the top 12 this week, just because, you know, there's so many other um, matchups that work out, but Tyler Higby could be probably would move into more of like a high end tight end two type option instead of really more the mid tight end two that he settled into over the last several weeks. We'll also have to keep an eye, you know, is Daryl Henderson going to return, you know, for this game? We don't know yet for sure. Um, you know, but if he does, I do think, Think that it really returns to more of a split. I know the narrative continues that it's going to, that, you know, Hey, Sony's going to run with this thing and who knows, maybe he will, but I don't think we can treat it that way out of the gate. Ian. So out of the gate, the way I'm going to treat this. And right now I'm assuming Daryl Henderson is going to be back. He's going to play. I've got him in tier four. So I have moved him down into that group of, um, running backs that I talked about earlier that are all kind of splitting things, but I would still expect Henderson to probably lead the way. Then I would say Sony really fits in that next group, right. Of running backs that are on like the, the lower end of the split, right. With yeah. these other guys. Um, so Sony though, I, you know, again, on a full slate, I think it's really tough to find any way to play Sony. You know, if you have Daryl Henderson active this week, unless you're really desperate, you're in a really deep format, you know, the matchup, Overall, you know, isn't isn't like superb, you know, for LA, but it's still it's it, it is pretty good. So, I mean, the biggest thing, and again, this comes back to how healthy is the Rams, you know, defense as far as what they can do from the time of possession and stuff like that. But the Seahawks, they do give up the fourth most regulation rushing attempts per game at twenty eight point five over the last six games. It's at thirty point four. So there is going to be room for you know fantasy points in the Rams backfield. We'll just have to see what happens. What notes do we get on the practice participation, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Matthew Stafford this weekend, I have got inside my top eight quarterbacks, pretty much where he is every single week. I uh, got a 6.8 out of 10 on the quarterback strength of schedule, got an offensive line pass blocking advantage of 33, which is second best on the slate, assuming all those linemen stay healthy through the COVID issues um, facing off against the Seahawks who give up 20.9 points to opposing quarterbacks per game. So Rams, you know, you're going to fire them all up. If you've got them, the most tricky situation I really do think is the running backs, the situation, and we need a good data point. I want it looks like when you have both of these guys active. And obviously if Henderson is out, Sony locked in as an RB one, 100% snaps on Monday night. You do not see that happen very often. Ladies and most. Yeah, I think he, he, you know, he will be, he'll, 
that's just one of those situations where he probably will grade out right as a low end RB one. Um, but even though I might rank him like 13, you know, just because there's so many guys this week that we could put up there. Um, so it's not a stack running back week, but there's enough good options that are all kind of similar. Fine. Either way must start Packers at Ravens, green Bay, four and a half point favorite game total of 43 and a half. This Baltimore cornerback room is all sorts of banged up with Humphrey and Peters done for the year. They got Jimmy Smith PFF 67th highest graded corner. He missed last week because of a birth of his child, I believe. So congrats to Smith family, but he just hasn't been that great this year on the football field, which is what we're focusing on. Chris Westry tied for hundred second Tavon young tied for hundred second Anthony Everett tied for hundred fifth. So Aaron Rodgers and company should be able to throw to their heart's desires as long as they can protect him. We have seen Rodgers have the single largest yards per attempt drop off from working in a clean pocket to when he's pressured this year. At the same time, man, like there is a portion of this year where the Packers really looked more like their 2019 offense as opposed to 2020. Still very good, but not like the class of the league by any stretch like they were last year. But these last three weeks, man, they've really started to resemble that group more and more 31, 36, and most recently 45 points from this offense. So Rogers and company really starting to click. And obviously it's scary when they are able to do just that. So Rogers, what do you have him, Dwayne? If you have Stafford eight, you got to have Rogers ahead of him. QB seven. Uh, right now I've got him in the same tier. I've got Rogers one behind him, but again, wow. like I haven't, I haven't tightened them down. So it's like, Look, I'd be fine playing either one of these guys. Like, I, I don't necessarily think Rodgers outscores Stafford. I, I think they belong in the same tier. I like them both a lot. Fine. So that's what I'm saying. So, Dwayne hates Aaron Rodgers. But anyway, moving on. All I know is Aaron Rodgers has a hurt toe. Like, I'm sure of that. <laughs> like, I think I've heard that a few times from Aaron himself. Just a couple times. I, I've noticed it on the old uh, Twitter sphere. We all know we got in Devontae Adams, and that is one of the best wide receivers in real life and fantasy football alike. Don't be surprised if he just, you know, takes, again, this banged-up cornerback room to the woodshed. It's just tough after that. I mean, we have MVS, but it was Lazard last week who had the game. Without having Cobb, like, it is a little bit more condensed so if you do need a flex option there's worse guys to have than Lazard than MBS guys that could be Rogers number two pass game option during any given week the problem is we still have multiple tight ends involved Aaron Jones AJ Dillon we just don't really know who it's going to be on a week-to-week basis so Lazard MBS I think they could both be ranked inside the top 50 but once we start actually trying to move them ahead of some of the guys in the wide receiver three range it proves to be more difficult I continue to lean a little bit more towards MBS we know he racks up all sorts of air yards more weeks than not and then with this backfield weird game script we saw rogers and company they got behind early you know on some of those uh not fluky but just long touchdowns from the bears rogers ended up having to throw the ball a little bit more i think than we would have expected just looking at the final score and then they got to the fourth quarter where uh as the, as the ringers uh danny kelly has pointed out he's been on this pod uh several times obviously one of the best fancy minds in the industry but he just made the point that like yeah onside kicks are getting recovered at like a ridiculously <laughs> high rate this year it seems like so the packers only had one fourth quarter possession uh, in that game on uh, Sunday night. And Dylan wound up out touching Jones six to one on that one drive. So when you see the 15 carries versus five, I think it was just a little bit weirdly game script later. So Jones got his two touchdowns. I would still rank Jones ahead of Dylan, despite that touch discrepancy because Jones is the one getting that fancy friendly pass down work. Now we need to worry about Dylan not getting any of that. So, Hey, this offense is good enough where, you know, 
it's like a better chance. I think of both Jones and Dylan compared to like the Broncos uh, guys of having like actual fancy viable production week in and week out, because I trust Rogers more than Teddy Bridgewater. With that said, we do need to, you know, hashtag adjust the ranks. Dylan is more of a touchdown dependent RB three and Jones is more of a low end RB two. And you mentioned it kind of before where he's ranked Dwayne. I am with you in that kind of 15 to 18 range. And I think that is about it. Moving on to the Ravens, it sounds like Lamar Jackson. So real quick on the yeah. on the on the Packers. So um, I did dig into that, and so I do think this AJ Dillon thing is real, like because we saw it the week before as well. So I think he's going to handle. It. I think it's going to be kind of like I think you gave a good um, like comp. I think he's he's basically Melvin Gordon now in okay. this offense. Probably going to see 50, 55 percent of the rushing attempts, sixty percent somewhere in there. He's been over sixty percent of the last three games. Two of them with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is really more in the Javonta Williams, you know, range, probably 35, 45% of the rushing attempts. It won't be as low as last week to your point, because of the way things, you know, worked out at the end of the game. But I think it's still probably more of a 60, 40 thing, but Jones getting all the passing down work. I did downgrade Jones um, this week and I upgraded AJ Dillon in the utilization report. So I've got Dillon as a low end RB two right there. And that guess where, guess who else I have as a low end RB two Javonta Williams. So I think you know, that's a really good comp. Gotta love it. Now with the Ravens, hopefully Lamar Jackson's out there. I think we can assume for the purposes of this, that it will be Lamar, not Tyler Huntley. Hey, Dwayne, maybe with Lamar having that ankle injury, not being his usual self. We were talking about the potential for Buffalo to feed Devin Singletary the ball a little bit more. Certainly have more questions with Singletary in that Bills backfield. But one thing we have seen quietly in Baltimore is Devontae Freeman really carve out this backfield. And hey, let's say there is a worst case scenario where Lamar misses time. We saw Freeman with Huntley for the majority of last week and during that Bears game still do pretty well for himself. Yeah, I think with Freeman, I mean, at this point, you just know he's a low-end RB2, and you're going to have to start him in most in most leagues. Like, if you're in, like, an 18 league, then, yeah, you don't have to start Devonta Freeman. Most 10 to 12-teamers, Devonta Freeman's going to be an RB2, going to be somewhere in a lineup. You know, he is in a situation where over the last three games, his snaps, 50%, 69%, 66%. Most importantly, the rushing attempts, 40% to 56% to 76%. And his routes are up around 60%, handling most of the long down and distance, handling most of the two-minute offense. So he's essentially in every down back. You just got to share, you know, the rushing attempts with your quarterbacks. Now, Tyrone Huntley's not a complete zero um, in the rushing game, but he's not going to have as many design rushing attempts as Lamar Jackson, whereas Lamar would be up in that 30%, you know, to 20% range. We've seen Huntley in that 15 to 20% range last week, not that many, but the Ravens were down by the time he was really in the game. You know, it was a situation where they were needing to throw the ball, but he does have a nice scramble rate, 11%. So I do think Huntley is a nice, if, if for some reason you have Lamar and you can't get your hands on a Justin Fields, someone like that, um, this week, you know, Fields is available in, in about half of the leagues. And so you'd go for him first, but if not, I think Tyron Huntley is a good backup. And as far as the rest of the passing game goes, what was nice with Huntley in is that we did at least see last week that he could continue to really get the ball, you know, to Mark Andrews. Now it didn't work out quite as well with Marquise Brown, but the targets were there, you know, late in the game, you know, overall these last couple of games, Brown's dropped off a little bit, 20% of the targets, 19%. But again, these things happen with these players. Like he had had his target shares up over 30%. Marquise Brown and my, you know, is still a top two target in the offense that is throwing the ball more than they ever have. The big, thing with the Ravens they really need in is they just need to be more efficient it's like we're getting more plays 
but all the, we used to have not enough plays and we had all the efficiency, right? These guys would score these touchdowns. You're like, can't keep these touchdowns up. Can't keep these touchdowns up. Now they're getting all these targets, all these, you know, receptions. And we're like, where are the yards? Like where are the touchdowns? Like we need the yards and the touchdowns. So, but look, that's, that's the way these things work, right? That's the way these NFL games, you know, play out. The more predictable you become, the more defense knows what you're doing, the less likely you're going to be to score, um, you know, touchdowns and to have explosive plays, which has been a problem this year for the Ravens, just in the way some of these games have worked out. But still for me, I've got Marquise Brown right now as my wide receiver 20 on the week. So he is in my third tier. Uh, Mark Andrews, I mentioned earlier, doesn't have as good of a matchup this week. It's a 1.3 tight end strength of schedule out of 10. That's one of the worst 11.8 points given up per week. Uh, you know, to PPR in a PPR format to tight ends by the Packers, but still, you don't really care if you have Mark Andrews, like you're like the honey badger, you don't give a shit. Like you're putting him in and <laughs> you're putting him in. He's in the top four for the week. Um, you know, I've got it. I've got it. Kittle, then Kelsey, then Gronk, then Andrews. You could easily flip uh, Andrews, Gronkowski and Kelsey. Like you could put those in any order you want. They've all got tougher matchups, but they're all still elite tight ends. You're not going to shy away from them. Going to use them. You're not going to get cute and start Dallas Goddard or Kyle Pitts or any of these guys over <laughs> any of those four tight ends. So just get them in there, lock it up and go. And now one thing I will say is if Lamar Jackson does play, let's keep an eye on his practice participation. If he can't run, if he can't maneuver, that is a huge, that's a huge issue for Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, it would hurt Josh Allen, who we talked about earlier. I think with Lamar, it hurts him even more because Allen still has shown more to this point in his career as a passer than what Lamar has. Lamar's definitely improved, but he's just not someone that I know that I don't know how much I trust Lamar to come out and not run the ball at all. And still to really be able to produce at a high level as a fantasy uh, quarterback in not saying it's not possible, um, but I would definitely downgrade Lamar. If we hear that, like, it's pretty much going to be a situation where he can't run. I just thought it was kind of unique, right. Or not unique, but I thought it was interesting at least that, you know, he leaves the game. I mean, it was pretty much instant, like up oh, out of the game. And then they come back. Oh yeah. It's just a, just rolled it low, low ankle sprain. You know, it's kind of like, this doesn't like, this doesn't add up. Like to me, what you're trying to do is set the other team up to have to prepare all week for him running the ball and not just focusing on him as a pastor. And my guess is Lamar is going to be limited if he's out there as far as his legs go. And this is a tough matchup, man. It looks like Jair Alexander could be back this week. Yeah, I know Darius yeah. Smith is getting close. Like the fact the Packers have been as good as they have been this year, despite having like three all pro caliber players on IR, you can throw David uh, Bakhtiari in there as well. Truly yep. impressive what uh, LaFleur and company have been able to do in Green Bay. Sunday night football, two more matchups to go over. Saints at the Buccaneers, Tampa Bay, 10 and a half point favorites. Game total about 46 and a half. Taysom Hill continues to rack up the QB one performances, six for six in his young career. He's facing a Buccaneers defense that, yes, they are very good against the run, but they haven't quite been that same buzzsaw we saw in the first two months of the season. Josh Allen did just go for 109 yards and a score, but we do need to keep in mind, like Dwayne just said, Josh Allen, very good passer. Taysom Hill, not a very good passer, to put it kindly. So uh, you do kind of wonder, like, what's going to happen if Tampa Bay just says, hey, we're putting nine guys in the box and, you know, good luck throwing it over our heads. We'll take those chances. So I do see the allure of ranking some of these guys, you know, kind of on the QB1 borderline. I had to taste them. At the same time, man, it's awfully tough to fade the potential to see 10 to 12 rush attempts each and every week. And at least, you know, whether it has been a little fluky, I think, that Deontay Harris long catch and run, but hasn't been completely 
unable to throw the ball downfield. I mean, pretty close, but not, not completely unable. So uh, I do think that he is probably going to wind up in my QB one ranks. And you know, when I'm nervous about something, when I'm nervous about a rank, when I don't want to sound stupid on the podcast, what I usually do is I go to pff.com. I look at resident ranking expert, Nathan Yonke's ranks to see where he's got them. And Nathan does have Taysom as his QB 10 this week. So we'll continue to monitor that, you know, see what's really going on in the Saints offense. Maybe you can get a weapon or two back. But yeah, Taysom Hill, you might not like it, but he does seem to inevitably finish as a QB one each and every week. Can't trust his wide receivers or tight ends though. Right now, even the top guys are only playing about 70% of the snaps. None of those wide receivers had even five targets last week. So Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, do not do it. But we are loving Alvin Kamara. Hey, first month of the year, we were a little bit worried here. I mean, he wasn't getting any of the targets. He didn't rank higher than 10th in the first four weeks of the season. But in his last five games, he has finished in the top six on four separate occasions. So, yes, Tampa Bay good against the run, but they've allowed 93 receptions to the position, second highest mark in the league, just 15th overall in PPR points per game to RB. So I think Kamara, regardless of the matchup, warrants upside RB1 treatment. And this is something that the Saints realized when they faced the Buccaneers. Like week eight, Kamara only cost like three, only caught three passes. Kind of a weird game, you know, where Jameis gets hurt and Simeon comes in. They were actually able to still win by multiple scores and they didn't have to throw the ball. But that was the first time in the regular season that he played Tampa Bay and didn't catch at least five passes. So I know it's Taysom. It's not the same sort of check down rate as Drew Brees, um, Simeon, even Jameis uh, to an extent. But at the same time, with no, no you know, better options as a, at receiver or tight end to go to, I do think Kamara will continue to get his. So Taysom QB one, Alvin RB one, great day to be great. And pretty much same thing applies to the entire Buccaneers offense, Dwayne. I mean, I guess my biggest question here, because we talked about it last week, Brashad Perryman was coming on, got a spot in three wide receiver sets, scores the walk-off touchdown, but it sure didn't seem like that usage was something that we want to keep chasing, Dwayne. Yeah, no, it, it totally fell off. His routes went from 90% to 36%. So you just can't really use it. And it, it, it's probably matchup induced, you know, because Tyler Johnson is really more like along the lines of a Chris Godwin, right? Rashad Perriman is really more along the lines of a Mike Evans. So for example, if Evans went down, Perriman would probably see a lot of time. Chris Godwin went down, Tyler Johnson would see more time. Theoretically, Jalen Darden was supposed to be the Antonio Brown, but anyway, we'll just leave that one alone. Um, so yeah, as far as the rest of these guys, though, like they're all studs. Chris Godwin has been absolutely on fire over the last several weeks. And what's nice about Godwin is we've just really seen him develop his game against man over the last couple of years, not the guy targeted, you know, against man. And this last, um, you know, as far as this season goes, he is the most targeted um, Buccaneer player whenever they face against man coverage. His targets per route run 26%, whereas really these last couple of years, like it was down in the 18, 19% range. So nice to see Godwin kind of take that step forward. He is getting to operate more from the slot here lately. They're moving him around more. He is operating more outside at first whenever Antonio Brown was gone. So he's really just getting to see more favorable matchups. Obviously, Mike Evans still playing, you know, well, uh, and you're not going to bench him. He was actually the wide receiver six last week, whereas he had Godwin at wide receiver nine. Again, these I have added in the Monday night stuff. So those are probably slightly off but anyway you get it they're both top options just like you said Ian. um in a good spot 82.9 wide receiver cornerback matchup for godwin and it is a, a little tougher for evans he's probably you know going to see Lattimore a little bit more we have seen Lattimore be problematic but again we don't completely just fade a player right just because of a matchup but it's a 62.8 wide receiver cornerback matchup grade so still going to have godwin inside of and evans both um 
see right now. I've got Godwin inside my top eight, and then I've got Evans inside my top 16. So I do have Godwin slightly ahead, but I'm, it's Evans is not a guy that in most formats, there's no way, you know, actually I would say all formats, <laughs> there's no way you're not going to have Mike, Mike Evans in your lineup. You're going to roll with it. I already talked about Gronk a little bit earlier when I was talking about some of the other tight ends, but it is you know, just in case somebody, you know, is coming to this specific spot to hear about the Buccaneers, you know, it's a little bit of a downgrade for Gronk, but even so still in the top four tight ends this week, he's in my tier two with Kelsey and Andrews. And like I said before, you can put those guys in the order that you want that you prefer all elite tight ends, but as far as the tight end strength and schedule this week, it's a two out of 10 for Gronkowski against the Saints. Then talking about the running backs, Leonard Fournette, um, this is a tough matchup for him as well, a 2.9 out of 10, which is why he wasn't he wasn't in tier one for me this week, but he's at the very top of my tier two backs. I've got Najee Harris, then Leonard Fournette. And if you look at it from a standpoint of overall, I've still got Leonard Fournette inside my top six. We did see Gio Bernard leave the game last week. Didn't really matter. He's already taken over this every down roll. But Fournette, man, it's just like, like this is a guy I missed on me. And I did not draft any Leonard Fournette. So it's like I've been thinking through, like, what's the lesson, you know, with this? And I think it's just former first-round pick on a really good team. Like, you know, I mean, I know it's just kind of like this isn't like super scientific. But like as a player that we know has, has talent and the situation is one thing when the season starts. But you know, there's so many unknowns that are going to play out in a season, right? And there's all these different variables that we can't predict. You know, there's so much if this, then, then that, all this kind of stuff, which in a week to week, that's what we do. We break those situations down for people to help them make the best decision in the week. But if you're looking out at a season, like that's kind of my mental note. And so I want to kind of think through that some more. Um, maybe that's something we'll talk about some more off air, but like Leonard Fournette, like players like that, I got to, I got to remember like these guys that have that first round talent and they land in a really good situation, even though at the first of the year, it may look like a complete mess. Like it's this running back by committee that you don't want to touch if the price is right. And Fournette's price was typically between around eight and 10. And most of the drafts I was doing with highly, highly competitive drafts, like that was doable. Like you could have worked Leonard Fournette on several rosters and I have him on zero out of about 30 teams that I have going. That's, that's not including best ball where I think I may be on him once or twice, you know, that's like another 30 drafts or so, maybe more. I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> But I missed on Fournette. But anyway, the, the besides me just lamenting that, you know, even though the matchup is tough, the spread's 10 and a half. So, like, the Bucs are heavy favorites. That means there's going to be plenty of opportunity for Fournette to get going. Now, the Bucs are pass heavy. So, even games where they run the ball more, it's not like it's not like a team, you know, that like the 49ers, right? They're not going to come out and run the ball 55, 60% of the time. A run-heavy game for the Bucs is they run the ball 40%. 45% max, but still there's going to be enough, enough touches to go around for Fournette. And we know he gets involved in that passing game out there for all the long down and distance work, mostly most of the two minute offense. It is interesting. Gio was getting a little more of that work last week. Um, early in the game, there was probably some sort of mismatch or something. They were looking IR, at down do what I are Gio. All the way IR, yeah, All yeah. So I, I knew he had been hurt. So but I just thought that was kind of interesting that he even had any of that role because Fournette yeah. has really taken it over. So doesn't really matter though. Fournette's going to be out there. Uh, we did mention it on the way to our pod, but I'll say it one more time. Just Ronald Jones should be stashed if you can, if you've got room. Like because if Fournette goes down, like you're talking about a back that everybody would just empty everything on next week to go get him for the rest of the playoffs. So I would say Ronald Jones and Samaji P Ryan are the two that I think of like that right now. Um, that if next week you'd be going, man. I hope I have enough to get them. Like that's the two guys. So if you got room, go ahead and stash them. He won't get the full role Fournette has. They'll find a way to probably get some other guys involved. But I still think uh, with Gio gone now, he's probably a high-end RB2 if Fournette went down this week. Tom Brady, do you folks need me to talk about Tom Brady? Here's what I'll <laughs> say about Tom Brady. Who in the league has more 
top five QB finishes than Tom Brady this season? The answer is pretty simple. It is no one. He has eight of those. Josh Allen is next with seven. Tom Brady obviously doesn't matter who he's playing, what's going on. You're going to play him. You're going to play him with confidence. Only thing I'll say with the Fournette thing, we probably overrated the impact that Giovanni Bernard could have coming in. With that said, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a nightmare for the previous two years with Bruce Arians. We did see them divide, you know, having the Dari, the Rojo, the Peyton Barber three-headed experience. But, hey, obviously it worked out for Leonard Fournette. And I think if we did look at those three running backs, Rojo, Gio, and Lenny, and said, if anyone out of this group is going to take over the backfield, who's it going to be? probably should have came to Fournette. Yeah. So I would say in these muddled backfields, really trying to focus Just lean on to the what, talent, lean the talent, lean to who has the best chance to take the three down role. And to your point too, like let's make sure we circle the top five offenses, go through the players and be like, okay, we have a top three scoring offense here. Why is not a single running back going off the board until the eighth or ninth round? So we'll, you know, figure out a better theory for uh, some of that stuff and definitely, you know, go into it in the off season. But uh, yeah, Dwayne, that certainly is something that we can, I think, apply to future years, hopefully find some undervalued studs like Lenny in 2022 and beyond. Monday night football, Vikings at the Bears, Minnesota three and a half point favorites, game total at 44. That Dalvin Cook game. And I hope that, uh, you know, you guys have been checking out Dwayne, myself, and Brian Drake Thursday night before the Thursday night football games kick off. We do a Twitter spaces, answer some start sick questions, and go over, you know, whatever the hot topic of the week is for that matchup. So last week, you know, we had Dalvin Cook active, just one question after another with Alexander Madison, what to expect. And it came down to this Dwayne, like Dalvin Cook is starting. We heard the report saying that he was going to have his usual workload, and we all had him as a top 10 back. And if you're a top 10 back, you're going to be starting in every single lineup out there. So it worked out, and I'm happy we were able to think through that. And to his credit, man, he looked as good as he has all year. And so did the Vikings offensive line. Maybe that was just a factor of playing the Steelers league worst defense in yards before contact allowed per carry. But that metric, I think, got to that point because in part of this performance. So I just hadn't seen Dalvin all year long have these lanes where it looks like he's shot out of a cannon. You know, that really was like common to see in the Vikings offense throughout his career, 2018 through 2020 wasn't quite the same until last week, but hopefully, you know, for any of you out there that did manage to make the playoffs, despite having Dalvin, you know, underwhelmed relative to what you drafted him to be for most of the year, hopefully he is now hitting his peak with Alexander Madison on IR due to COVID, you know, the ceiling is the roof for Dalvin Cook's touch count. Bears defense, not terrible, but at the same time, I think we are starting to see some signs that, hey, this season, looking like a lost one. Khalil Max on IR, he's selling the mansion in Chicago, and they have ultimately allowed over 100 rushing yards in seven of their last eight games. So I was saying Taylor, RB1, but I think there's a good argument if you wanted to put Dalvin Cook there as well. Whenever you have any quarterback that can realistically hit 30 touches in any given week, uh, it's just awfully tough to keep them out of the top three. Justin Jefferson, he could be your wide receiver one. As long as Adam Thielen remains sidelined, we have seen Kirk now in back-to-back weeks really be willing to just not necessarily feed all these other guys, but overfeed Justin Jefferson. And why not? He's Justin Jefferson. 
could have had such a monster week last last time. I attributed more of those issues to Jefferson. They weren't like egregious drops. We've seen worse from like Jamar Chase and some other people throughout the year. But man, just fingertips on like two or three long balls. Nobody had more unrealized air yards in week 14 than Jefferson. But fully expect him to bounce back. The question is, can the Vikings keep Kirk clean enough to enable these other guys? So I'm feeling if he's healthy enough, good to go. No workload questions. He's going to be, you know, our, you know, low end wide receiver two, maybe borderline that you're trying to get in there. Cause all the guy knows how to do is score touchdowns, but Dwayne, like, I don't feel like we need to overreact to KJ Osborne catching a bomb touchdown and just all of a sudden be like, okay, he's this someone, he's someone we need to squeeze into every single lineup. I still do think Tyler Conklin is probably the bigger beneficiary of uh, Thielen being out of there. And I think Conklin deserves to be ranked ahead of, you know, some of those other more questionable guys around the tight end borderline. So I'm pretty confident with Conklin, obviously Jefferson and with Osborne and where do you have him ranked right now? Top, 45, I think is fair. And if you want to maybe go in the low thirties, that's fine. I've got Conklin in my top 12 tight ends and then Osborne right now. Uh, I was doing a search. Yeah. I've got him. He's outside of my top 36. He is actually right now. He is in the low forties. There we go. Right Nailed it. Look at me. Just Jedi mind tricks going on in the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Final notes, just with Kirk Cousins. Truly, if the Bears cannot pressure this guy, look out. Fourth in PFF passing grade from a clean pocket. Third in QB rating. Eighth in yards per attempt. You can talk about the primetime game record, the lack of overall playoff success, this and that. Few quarterbacks sling that thing better from a clean pocket than Kirk Cousins. So Jefferson, Dalvin, Conklin, get them in those lineups. Osborne's still fine. Just don't be freaking out. And, you know, don't underestimate the Vikings just really having their way with the Bears here. This cool stat I like to put together from time to time. I've seen it used a lot more in the college football world than uh, NFL, but it's havoc, which is tackles for a loss or no gain, forced fumbles, interceptions, pass breakups, and pressures divided by plays. Bottom seven defenses in this metric this year. Falcons and Lions tied for dead last. And you got the Seahawks, Eagles, Vikings, Chargers, and the Bears. So they don't really, you know, you think of the Bears as just this really just tough defense. But when you take Mac out of that picture, you look at some of the losses they've had in their secondary over the past few years, letting guys get away. And they really are not this, you know, sort of typical Bears defense that I think going to Soldier Field in December that we'd be a lot more worried about in past years. So feel good about this Vikings offense coming off a really, really good first half performance against the Steelers. Hopefully better things to come in this must-win matchup. Now, Dwayne, we got Justin Fields hitting his stride, running more. Dave Montgomery is doing his thing. Can we get behind any of these pass game options, though, because it continues to just be so rough. Right when we get Allen Robinson back, we got Demir Bird, Jakeen Grant going off. Anything to make out of these wide receiver and tight end groups? Yeah, I mean, let's start with Fields. Um, for Fields, like the thing you got to note is like, so throw week 11 out, right? Because he was injured in that game. That's where he got, he hurt his ribs. If you look at week eight, week nine, and week 14, his his finishes have been QB three, QB nine and QB eight. So Justin Fields is a low end QB one. I prefer him over Taysom Hill the rest of the way. Like if you just look at his matchups and everything else. And I think that Fields is just, you know, look, 
can he can he can be more adaptive to a game strip. Like if they need to toss the ball around and you want to open up potential upside, I think when you look at Fields, he has that upside to hit like the QB one overall, right? Because he could throw for three hundred yards, he could run for hundred, that type of thing. You just don't get quite that upside with Taysom Hill, despite the fact that their floors are pretty similar. You know, I think you're going to end up with the QB one finish from both guys this week. But I think the guy that could pop off for more is definitely Justin Fields. And just looking at, you know, you you mentioned his run his, his running ability, like he's scrambling. So he's choosing his spots still, um, but his scramble rates are elite, like 21%, 14%, 19%. I mean, 21% and 19%, like basically a fifth of your drop bags. You're just like, eh, I'm faster than these other guys. I'm <laughs> Like that's good for fantasy football design rushing attempts. They're not quite using them as much. That may be just trying to protect him right from the injury this last week, only 7% of the design rushing attempts. But then again, they haven't really used him that much in the design rushing attempt game anyway. So I don't know really like why Matt Nagy doesn't really want to like you know make defensive coordinators just like go nuts worrying about him being more active that opens up run lanes for david montgomery opens up more stuff and they are using rpo he's just not running many of the design plays so some of it does come down to his read on the defense and things like that so it's not all completely on matt Nagy, but still fields bottom you know, of tier one, um, but he has upside to be the number one quarterback overall. David Montgomery, man, the utilization just continues to be elite. I know it was looking a little scary and boy, did he bail everybody out with that last drive. It was checked down David Montgomery, checked down David Montgomery, checked down David Montgomery, checked down David Montgomery. So that's the nice thing with Fields is he doesn't just run every time. He does realize that he can check it down to David Montgomery. I basically, I think he was giving a cursory read downfield and not looking anyone and immediately like swiveling to David Montgomery, like on this, this little, you know, it was the used to be a great play on Madden back in the day when I played Ian. It was the little blue route where they go out and they just kind of block for a second and then everybody forgets about them and they sneak out into the flat. Like that was like every play for David Montgomery. Five and receptions I, in those final two drives. Okay, I knew it was a lot. I knew it was a lot because I was watching and I was playing against Montgomery in one of my FFPC championships. Like, and I had no, guys going Monday. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I got I got him back. I got him back. I got him back because I had James Conner. So yes. I, I basically returned the favor. Um, but uh, as far as Montgomery goes, man, this, what's nice is we got Damian um, Williams back last week and he had been the passing down back early in the season. And he really wasn't a factor. In fact, Damian Williams was playing a lot of special teams. Like he, I saw him running down on punt coverage, all sorts of stuff. So I do believe if something happened to Montgomery, Herbert's probably the cuff. Uh, Williams probably sees a little bit more in the passing down. But the main moral of the story here, David Montgomery still locked into an every down roll despite getting um, Damian Williams back 100% of the work uh, inside the five, 86% of the long down and distance, 90% of the two minute offense, 67% of the rushes total in a route, 74% of the time. That is elite. That is up there in the Alvin Kamara type ranges, not quite the talent as a Kamara, but the volume is there for David Montgomery. And he's in a spot where, you know, it's got, got some tougher, got a couple tough matchups, but like just the volume is going to be too, is going to be too good to avoid the Minnesota matchup though. doesn't really scare me. It's a 6.3 out of 10 running back strength of schedule. They're giving up, 23.1 points to opposing running backs, um, which is a little bit below average. You know, if you look at all the, if you look at all the options on the slate, but again, Montgomery is getting so much work. You're going to lock him in. He is an RB one this week. I've got him in my tier two of back. So that's going to put him inside my top 11 for the week. Uh, as far as the passing uh, options. Yeah. You, you kind of hit on it. Like I've had to downgrade Darnell Mooney. You know, he was really like for those couple of weeks where we didn't have Allen Robinson, didn't have some of these other guys going, we really saw, and look, it's a positive for Mooney because you can't just assume these players get these targets 
just because other players are out. They have to be good enough to still get open. They have to be good enough to want to design them plays and get the ball to them. So overall, I think this is still a very successful second year for Darnell Mooney. It's just now we've got all these other guys. You got Jakeem Grant getting involved. You got Demir Bird getting targets. I do still think Mooney is the lead target on the team. Um, Allen Robinson was out there for only 74% of the rounds. They're kind of working him back up. He had 19% um, of the targets to only 16% for Mooney. Um, But again, I still think that Mooney is the guy. And if you look at targets per run on the season, 21% for Mooney, that's kind of the great equalizer, right? Because we're only counting the plays you were out there, guys. 19% for Allen Robinson. So still, still targeted slightly more than Robinson. I still think he could come through for you, Ian. It's just, you know, we had a couple of weeks there where we were like, okay, this guy's got to be in the wide receiver two conversation. That's just not the case anymore. This week, right now, I've got him at wide receiver. Again, haven't tightened these all the way down, but in my tier six, wide receiver 38. So borderline wide receiver three could come through with, you know, with a big play, they could still design some things, dial some stuff up for the guy. You're just not as confident with the way they're spreading it around and, you know, getting all the other guys involved. What you can be confident in is getting 25% off any PFS subscription. All you got to do is use code fancy, all of the locker article content, betting dashboards, player prop tools, zero to 100 grades of every single player, including top rookies in every team, all that and much more support the pod and use promo code fancy for 25% off any sub. And if you are a PFF subscriber, we thank you, but we also want to know what you like most about PFF and what you might want most from PFF that we don't already have. So if you would, please email us at contact at pff.com. That's contact at pff.com. I'm going to answer those questions. What PFF feature do you love the most and what do you want most from PFF? Thank you. And hopefully we'll get those ideas implemented ahead of 2022. Quick DraftKings promo for all of you. You can download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score, you score a promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey and Indiana or Pennsylvania. Only new customers. Only minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And finally, our friends at Western Southern have an awesome deal going on. All you got to do, submit questions for Chris Collinsworth about anything. Football, finance, Al Michaels, golf. Any question you want to ask will earn you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. Western and Southern will cover your catering up to $2,500. Coordinate your order from a restaurant near you and have it delivered on Super Bowl Sunday, February 13, 2022. Again, you just got to submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash Chris. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash Chris. You can hear those answers every week on the Chris Collinsworth podcast and on Western Southern's Instagram. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below to go ask those questions. And remember it's Western Southern. You can rest assured on game day. Look at us, Dwayne, two hours, 20 minutes. Just save, save everyone all that time. All this, uh, all this thought, two extra games. At least we didn't, it's not starting with a three. And for that, uh, I'm thankful. Hey, yeah, I, I feel pretty good considering like how many games we went through. Um, you know, uh, we, we said we were going to cut it down some and we came through. We'll, we'll work on it some more next week. Hey, like, you know, we don't talk about fantasy players and their overall ranks. We, we go per game usually. So we're going per game on this and we cut down the time. So I'm proud of us. Anything <laughs> else, anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man, no, I'm good. Uh, be put uh, utilization report hit today. I will Oof. have uh, my tiers and ranks will come out on Thursday. And then on Friday, the smash plays will hit. 
And remember, everyone, if you were lucky enough to get a buy in the first round of your fantasy playoffs, make sure you use this opportunity to motivate the squad. Put those players on the bench, you know, move, uh, you know, move whoever you want. Cooper Cup, put him in the flex, make some moves because you only got one more week to motivate the squad because the real fun begins in week 16. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.